Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. It is nine minutes after 10 p.m., Lisa. We are here, and you know what? We're on for five full hours tonight. Tonight and every what weekend. What happened to our music? It just stopped. <laughs> it just went, goodbye. <laughs> that's goodbye. it. That's all you no get. No music. We're here till three o'clock in the morning. We are. <laughs> and we're ready to go. We have a really special oh, show tonight. Boy, do so we ever. we're both just sort of have, excited to be here. We have an amazing guest star uh, to start our program off. You know, Lisa, we have a superhero. A superhero is our guest tonight. That's right. Oh, you know that music, right? You, you grew up listening. <laughs> hey, listen, and watching I'm the same this show. generation as you, as I hesitate to say. Now, but- from 1966, I was three years old when the show came on the air. 1966 until 1968, Burt Ward played Robin on the hit TV series Batman. And now back then, he and Adam West, uh, of course, Adam West was Batman. They saved the citizens of Gotham City and the world. But today, Burt Ward and his wife, Tracy, saved dogs. He's always been saving people. And dogs and everyone. Saving every saving the world. It's saving the in world. Fact, in fact, Bert and his wife have saved over 15,000 dogs through their charitable organization called Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions. They've developed a dog food, Lisa. You need to get this dog food for Simba. Oh, I know. Because your dog will live like two to three times longer. <laughs> I'm telling you. And you know, for those who love their dog, you can't do it any better no, than No, your that. dog will live longer healthier, happier life. It's an honor to welcome Bert Ward to the WGN Radio Theater. Hello, Bert. Hello, citizens. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm great, thank you. Still climbing the walls, but for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I saw somewhere that you, like, sleep in your bed with your wife and, like, 25 he dogs. with his wife? <laughs> well, yeah, he sleeps in the bed with his wife and, and a bunch of dogs all around him, right? Well, about 50, actually. 50, 50 dogs. But I know that you socialize and you train them, and they all live together with you and your wife in your home. Right, yes. Uh, we've rescued in the last 25 years more than 15,500 dogs, every one of which would have been put to death if we hadn't been there to save them, usually on the last day. Uh-huh. And uh, all of the dogs, uh, and we actually have 45 different breeds, from tiny two-pound Chinese Cresteds, which are about one-third the size of a Chihuahua, all the way up to our giant Great Danes, Irish Wolfhounds, and English Mastiffs that weigh up to almost 300 pounds. Wow, wow, and wow, wow. Every dog lives communally together in our home. Uh, and listen, I'm in there now. You don't hear any barking, do you? No, because, because they, they know, them, right? They know. Did you tell them that you're on WGN tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's a very nurturing environment, and uh, we, you know, we teach everybody to get along. And uh, our dogs are living amazingly long lives, up to 27 and a half years. No one else, to our knowledge, has, has been able to accomplish that. And and healthy, not just living longer, but I mean, with a great quality of life. In fact. Uh, it's gotten a little cold out here, not compared to where you guys live, but but out here in California, it's gotten a little bit cold. And I've still got this one 25-year-old dog that makes me chase her outside at night to bring her in. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh my gosh! Well, you know, you, you yeah, know, can you imagine twenty five years old? Yeah, and you're chasing and she, her. And she, See, and she thinks it's a game. Yes. You know? Now I don't mind chasing her when the weather is better, but when I'm outside <laughs> freezing and I forgot to put a coat on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but but the thing is, is these dogs are wonderful. They're they're incredibly loving. This is our charity. My wife Tracy and I take no salary from this. Uh, we actually make. Uh, we, we're absolutely convinced this is the finest dog food in the world. It's called Gentle Giant. And um, we feed every single day 600 pounds of our dog food. Yeah. You can imagine, 600 pounds uh, to our dogs. And uh, all of our dogs, in fact, right now we have, uh, we always have a minimum of 50 in our home, <laughs> which I know, you know, I tell people I've gone to the dogs literally. But uh, <laughs> with, with the, these dogs, more than, more than 65% of these dogs now have already lived twice their normal lifespan. That's consistency. That's not an anomaly. And uh, and and all of this, you know, we 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 love animals, and and we actually have so much charity stuff we do, you know. And I mean, and obviously, you probably know that I've got some pretty big things happening next Thursday. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and, and but and you know, it's just so much stuff has been going on on December eight. I guess the guest starred on Supergirl, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Oh wow, uh, great. I was uh, I was from Earth sixty six, and, uh, and actually I'll tell you what was funny when when I got up there uh, to do my part um, as Dick Grayson, alternate identity of Robin the Boy Wonder, of course. <laughs> but they had a German Shepherd, and I thought, well, we don't rescue German Shepherds, but maybe because you know we're so involved with dogs, maybe the studio just thought, well, we give him a dog to be walking, you know, while he's doing the scene. But it turns out that this German Shepherd, okay, was named Ace. Ace the Bat Dog from the original Batman comic book. No way, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, what a cool touch. And uh, and so I did my scene, and it was fun. And then we came back, and the next weekend we were in the Hollywood Christmas Parade riding in the Batmobile. I, believe me, wow. I've ridden in that Batmobile a lot. Just a few times. And, yeah, and, and so... You know, between rescuing the Gotham City citizens and rescuing dogs and helping dogs live into their late 20s, and, I mean, we just live a very um, fun life. We really have fun. You know, in our the way we look at it is actually in our lifetime now more fun to do things for others than for ourselves, yep. you know? I mean, you reach a certain point where, hey, now it's time to uh, do something for others. You know, Bert, speaking of the Batmobile, I know that you are going to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this week. And as a special added attraction to the ceremony, this uh, 66 Batmobile is going to be there. What? Yes. Yep. They're going to have the Batmobile there. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic. They, they're closing off Hollywood Boulevard, which... My gosh, I don't know how they're going to do with that. With the traffic, there's going to be people that are going to be pretty upset. But they're going to close off Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, all the networks and you know are going to be there, and it's going to be very special. We've invited tens of thousands of fans to show up. Well, we didn't uh, get our invitation. And, yeah, we I need to know, be there. We but, need to be uh, there, Bert. <laughs> but well, you know, got one now. <laughs> got one now. I'll tell, I'll tell you, you know? what, Bert. This is and this is in all sincerity. Okay. 
I grew up watching Batman and Robin and Wild Wild West. Those were my two shows. Like, I never missed Batman and Robin and Wild Wild West. And I got to right. tell you, you know, when it was on twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, I think it was, I, I was glued, absolutely glued to that to that uh, television set. And I know you've heard every question there is in the world, but I got to ask you this. Okay, I want to know okay. how did you did you slip and fall every time they had the uh, the room tilted? <laughs> no, poor guy. Actually, let, let me tell you something. <laughs> they did that on the villains' hideout. I know. Okay? Yeah, and, and let me tell you something. I honestly, I did not know why they did it. I thought maybe these cameramen are drinking something. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing that. And it turns out. Like the third season before I found out, and I said, "You know, why? Why are you guys turning the camera? <laughs> oh, we're doing it on purpose. Well, why are you doing it on purpose? Because the villains are crooked. Yeah, oh. so that was the campy style. Yeah. That was the yep. contribution of our camera crew. It's, it's I mean, amazing. Everybody got in the act. So many, so many nuances on Batman, and I know you've heard all these questions a million, million times, but." Um, I'm going to put you through it again because I got to sure. tell you what an honor it is to have you on the show. I'm such a huge fan, um, and I, I got to tell you, you have both have excellent taste. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we think you're amazing. We, you know, your contribution to you know television and the movies. I mean, the Batman movie was amazing too. I have seen every episode multiple times. Lisa also. Um, you beat out like a thousand other people for this role, and and I. It's so fascinating to me because you weren't really trying to be an actor per se, right? I mean, you were doing other things, and just walk well, us no, through no, that no. a little. No, you're, you're close, but not yeah. quite right. First okay. of all, it was eleven hundred. Oh, eleven hundred! Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and I was studying. At, I was going to UCLA. Okay. Okay. Uh, in fact, when I left UCLA to do Batman, the dean of the university was very upset. She thought I should have been a nuclear physicist because I placed in the top three percent of the country in science and math. Wow. And uh, college level, but uh, but the thing was is that you know the the the, the TV series. I mean, it was such an amazing opportunity. I know I really I was studying professionally and at UCLA, okay. so both ways. Yeah. But, but I, I was very fortunate in having an opportunity to try out for it. And um, when I was selected, the executive producer, whose name was uh, William Dozier, mm-hmm. uh, he came to me and said, "You know, Bert, uh, we've decided out of more than eleven hundred young guys to pick you to play the role." My like goodness! Why? Wow! And I said, "Yes, sir, I would." And he says, "Because in our mind." For getting television, if there really was a Robin, I mean, like, for real, mm-hmm. that we think you personally would be it. So we don't wow. want you to, quote, act. We want you to be yourself and be enthusiastic. Well, obviously, I'm enthusiastic because that's what I am. So for 120 episodes, I got to be myself. Mm-hmm. And and the things that, that you saw <clears throat> on television, which, um, you see... Our show was kind of special with all the effects that Adam and I were often left. <laughs> Adam and I were often left alone to be able to do whatever we wanted in terms of as long as we were in the scene. You know, in other words, they say, "Okay, you're in the Batmobile or you're in the Batcave," but we were given freedom. You know, a lot of actors are so well. You got to do this when you say that. You got to sit there and you got to do this and all that stuff. Well, they were the producers were so worried about trying to get this show to work with all these effects. I mean, we had a triple crew. We had 80 men on the crew instead of 30, mm. okay? I mean, it was huge. But 
we were left alone. So Adam and I had a very special chemistry, okay? And I honestly believe it was that chemistry and, and the way we gave our dialogue and the attitudes and, and, the, and the way we presented ourselves that really made Batman, you know, a considerable hit, mm. okay? And, and, I mean, for example, um, we would have uh, things that were double meanings and, and suggestive things. And, I mean, nobody had ever done this no, before. No, totally you know? revolutionary. Yeah, and and uh, and it, it was and things like uh, I, I would jump over the door to get into mm-hmm, the Batmobile, mm-hmm. or jump over the door to get out. Right. Or sometimes I'd stand up in the seat and walk on the fins of the Batmobile to the bat <laughs> and uh, to the back, and I didn't know, but <laughs> the the owners of the Batmobile, George <laughs> Ferris, right. I mean, he and his crew were hysterical. <laughs> I was ruining their paint job, right? And I didn't know. I'm just doing whatever you know, felt appropriate at the time, but it really worked. You know, I honestly believe when actors are so constrained that they have to do everything in such a confined way that you don't really get the best, you don't get that enthusiastic performance. Sure. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about some of those things that were not scripted and that you created uh, yourself as a contribution to the role, but those are the kind of things yeah. that, that or like, we you are know, most interested in. punching your fist or something like right. that. You know, that was like, it's all Burt Ward there. Yeah. Um, and, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your relationship with Adam West. I know you guys had a really long friendship and what it was like to work with him and even beyond the show as your friendship continued. Yeah. Well, let, let me tell you, um, the, uh, the uh, it was it was wonderful. I met him 15 minutes before my screen test. Wow. And, and you know, it is pretty, pretty uh, unique that uh, I would, you know, you would meet the same person you're screen testing with when you've got 1,100 people, right? Yeah. Sign out for the role. But within five minutes of talking to him, he and I were, like, laughing, and we just got along so well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all these years during the series, on sometimes on weekends we'd get together, go play tennis or whatever. We just had a great time, you know? He had this wild and crazy, zany humor, and he uh, really naturally comedic sense and it was just so much fun to work together and and when we did what we did the chemistry you know great comic duos in the past you know your laurel and hardy and abbott and costello mm-hmm. uh, you know i mean the, these great comic duos always had great contrast between mm-hmm. the, the performers you know what i'm saying so um in, in the case of adam you know he was like you know six foot four plus they put him in Three-inch heels made him six foot seven, mm. and you know he's very like you know debonair, and <laughs> you know I mean he really was that way. You know he talked slowly and and uh, but he had this you know he, he kind of thought of himself like Winston Churchill. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> everything uh. was so grand and so bigger than life. And me, I was like this wild kid, you know, <laughs> fast talking, fast acting, and and we were so opposite that I think people really caught on to the, mm-hmm. the chemistry. Had. Sure. And look at today's movies. You know, I mean, if, if you think about it, we made comic book heroes a huge success back in the 60s. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Yeah. Now, look at all the movies, yep. the superhero movies, right? Yeah. So many of them. And, and not just the movies, but there's something that Adam and I did that we created that no one else had done that is very popular in every one of today's um, superhero movies, and and not just superhero movies, but other movies, where right in the middle of maybe the most dangerous thing, right, 
there's some comedy or 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 like I, I remember I had a line. Gosh, Batman, there's eight of them against two of us. Odds in our favor. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff. And now you see that in all these superhero movies. You see it in in other movies, too, where where the heroes in the most dangerous moments have some comedic statement. And speaking of that, we have a little clip. Just wanted you to hear this little clip and and, and comment on it. What has yellow skin and rights? A ballpoint banana. Right. Two, what people are always in a hurry? Russian people? Russians. Right again. Now, what would you say they mean? Banana? Russian. I've got it. Someone Russian is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. Precisely, Robin. The only possible meaning. Yeah, that's the only possible meaning. Right, Bert? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What a pleasure to have you on the air with us. Uh, What an honor. And uh, you know what? You are getting an honor this Thursday that is so uh, so absolutely well-deserved, yeah, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And um, you know what? You're right next to, I think your star is right next to Adam West's star as well, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, well, you know what they do? I, I, somebody said they're facing each other. And I said, well, wait a minute, how could that be? But actually, when you walk on Hollywood Boulevard, you'll see us because they have it because people obviously walk in both directions. So every other star is turned the other way. Oh, okay. So in other words, if you're walking, the first star, if you see it, you read it correctly. But the next star, you actually have to, when you get up to it, turn around and read it. And I mean, and, and so therefore, what I think is happening is that our two stars are going to actually face each other. That's what I've heard. Oh, wow, wow. And folks out there in Radio Land, if you want to get um, Bert's dog food, because it's amazing, and learn more about his great company. Yes, go to GentleGiantsDogFood.com. I've done it, and um, I'm really excited about trying it out. Mike, our executive producer, is buying the dog food. I am going to buy it. I checked it out. I looked it up. and uh, Yeah, we're really excited to to support it. Would you like to know how we can have these dogs live so long and so healthy when nobody else seems to be able to do it? Well, I Would read like something. About, yeah, I said read something about the, the the food itself is like amazing. But yes, tell us. Well, when you have to understand, we never really intended on making dog food or to, to sell it. What it was is when we started rescuing Great Danes. That was the first breed. Okay. They only lived seven to nine years. Right. And when we would lose one of these dogs, my wife Tracy and I were devastated. I mean, we literally sobbed. It was so upsetting to us. And we and we vowed if there was a way, we would try to help them live longer. Well, the first thing we came up with, now remember, you're living 24-7 with more than 50 dogs, right? I mean, anybody would have to learn pretty quickly, all right? But but what we, we first developed a feeding and care program. We found that by the way we changed the way we fed dogs, that we could actually help them live about three years longer on average. Mm. Really works. And all of this information is on our website, GentleGiantsDogFood.com. There's a section called Special Feeding and Care Program. So that was the first thing. But and, and so, therefore, our Great Danes that normally only live seven to nine years were now living 10 to 12 years. And that, even by itself, was pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to see if there was anything else we could do. So we decided... And because we could afford it, to go out and make the finest dog food in the world. I mean, the finest. Whatever it took, we were going to make the finest, okay? Well, when we did that, we were only expecting, you know, 
conservatively, well, maybe we can pull out another year, maybe another year and a half by having the best of the best. Well, what we found out was so upsetting, it changed our life forever. And here's what we found out, that dog food companies know something the average person doesn't know, which is the more fat content you put in dog food, the hungrier it makes dogs. Right. In my opinion, it's all about money. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's not money for us. It's life for us. Right. So when it, it, And here's how you can tell. If you look on any bag of dog food, next to the ingredients, as required by federal law, is a chart called guaranteed analysis. The first item is protein. The second is crude fat. And what you're going to find out, if you start looking at every bag of dog food you can find, and it doesn't matter if it's the cheapest grocery store dog food or the most expensive pet store dog, that they all do it. You'll see a fat content of somewhere between 12 to 22% crude fat. Not healthy fat. It says crude fat because it's saturated fat. Can you imagine 12 to 22%? Mm. We don't add all that fat. Ours is what's naturally in the food, which is about 9%. So Mm. that's one thing because dogs, arteries, and intestines are just like humans. They can get clogged, they can get heart attacks, and they can die prematurely. That's number one. But here's the real biggie. Dogs love the smell and taste of meat. But dogs do not like the smell and taste of fat. Yeah. And you know that dogs have an ability to smell incredibly better than a human being. They actually measured it as 1,300 times that of a human being, the ability to smell. So when dogs smell the high-fat content in dog food, they don't want to eat it. So what the manufacturers found out was that after they made the food and put all that fat in it, if they sprayed chicken fat to cover up the smell of the pork fat or other fat on the inside, that they could get dogs to eat their food. That's why if you feel dog food in your fingers and you rub it, yeah, it's you feel greasy. a slightly greasy feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, we consider that deadly. And, and here's, here, here's our analysis of this. You wouldn't take bacon grease and pour it down your garbage disposal at home, would you? No. Because you know that when it hardens, because it's not like water that evaporates, animal fat coagulates. And once it hardens, it's like cement. And, and if you poured a can of bacon grease or bacon fat or chicken fat down your garbage disposal, when it hardened, you'd be buying a new garbage disposal. So here's my point. When you realize that animal fat will ruin metal, can you imagine what that animal fat is doing to the in arteries and oh my intestines. God. Go the to the website. Love when every single meal, every single bite, every single kibble is encapsulated in animal fat. We're up against a hard break, but I want to give the website out again. You ready? Yeah. GentleGiantsDogFood.com. Bert Ward's, uh, it's, this is a gift of love. Bert, thank you so much. We, we love you, buddy. Really, really, we do. Congratulations for Thursday. Have a wonderful day there. And thanks for being on the show. We'd love to have you so back, too. So honored to speak with you thank today. You. Just an honor. To the Batmobile! <laughs> to the Batmobile. Thanks, Bert Ward. We'll be back after these words. All right, we have uh, villains on all five of our classic radio shows. Milton Berle. Uh, we have, uh, he was a villain. We have uh, Burgess Meredith on a radio show, Ida Lupino, Vincent Price, Van Johnson, Cesar Romero. But right now it's time for the Milton Berle Show. Let's go back to November 11th, 1947. The Milton Berle Show.
From Radio City in New York, here is the Milton Berle Show. With Bert Telton, Jack Alberson, Mary Ship, Charlie Irving, Billy Sands, Johnny Gibson, Frank Milano, our singing star Dick Parney, the music of Ray Block and his orchestra, and yours truly, Frank Gallup. Ladies and gentlemen. Great ad living. <laughs> last week, last week, elections were held all over the country. That's right. Hundreds of candidates fought to win seats. We now bring you a comedian who has spent months exercising, trying to lose his. And here he is, Milton Berg. Thank you. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Gallup, I'm shocked. I really am. Calling me fat. I'm flabbergasted. I'm positively flabbergasted. You're flabbergasted? Yes, you guessed it. I'm pretty flabber. <laughs> flabbergasted? <laughs> oh, Burl, how can one man have so much talent and not a shred of personality? <laughs> Wait till I catch the guy who sold me that joke. I'll tear off his apron and hit him over the head with the chicken he's cleaning. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, let us not... It's good we got the band tonight. Let's not... <laughs> We got him tonight, but not after December 30th. Mr. Gallup, uh, let us not give the listeners, the, or the listener, the, uh, the wrong impression of me. I heard what you said about, the, you know, the comedian spent months exercising. Oh, yeah. Mr. Gallup, a good description of me is to say that I'm a little hippie. A better description, I think, is to say you're a big hippo. <laughs> a big hippo? Oh, Gallup, how can you be so funny and still be such another square? <laughs> Schmo is the word. Mr. Gallup, please, would you do me a favor and save that boffo material for when we're back on sustaining? Which may be any minute now. Johnny, have you heard anything? The, um... Never mind. What were we talking about? It was something devastatingly dull. You. Oh, yes, yes, me, yes. It was my weight, Mr. Gallup. Really, Mr. Gallup, I have been trying to keep my weight down. But why must you keep it all down in the same place? Oh, my word, that was a jolly one. Oh, yeah, that was jazzy, wasn't it? I topped you again, didn't I, Burl? Yeah, you, you topped me? Yes. Milton Burl? You want fat jokes? Oh, fat jokes. Let's see. File F. Okay. Are you listening? Are you ready? Stand back. Here he comes. All the fat jokes. My girl is so fat, she has to put starch in her cold cream to keep her face from slipping down into her lap. Boink. <laughs> Another one. She's so fat, store detectives are always searching her. They don't believe all those bumps are hers. Boink. <laughs> that joke will put radio where Vaudeville is. We... <laughs> We grew up together. I grew up and she grew sideways. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Mr. Gallup, uh, have you had enough? Have you? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the preceding jokes just expressed by Mr. Burl are not necessarily his own. Not necessarily his own. Swap jokes with Burl. <laughs> Let me repeat that. <laughs> Why, you one funny amateur. With one joke, I can top everything you've said tonight. One joke you can say, and I'll top it. Go yes. ahead. Go ahead. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you listening? I am on the beam. Stand back. Oh. Here it comes. Let's hear it. What a blow for Princess Elizabeth. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, let me tell you, for four weeks, you've been telling that same line. Burl, someday that joke will be bigger than Hugo, Hugo, you got the shoes on. <laughs> well, it could be. And when it does, I hope I've got plenty of air wick ready. But enough of this. 
Enough of this <laughs> murder. Enough of this hilarious auditioning. Tonight, we, we take up elections and politics. So let us salute the cradle of American politics, Washington, D.C. <laughs> Washington, heart of the nation. Washington, home of the Supreme Court, the Senate, and Eastern headquarters of Howard Hughes. <laughs> Beautiful, picturesque Washington, cooled in the summer by the breezes of the Potomac, warmed in winter by the hot air from Congress. <laughs> so come with me. Won't you? <laughs> Won't you? Come with me on a sightseeing bus tour of our nation's capital. Ah, here, here comes a bus now. All right, let us board the bus, and we are off as the driver starts up the mighty motor. First stop, the House of Representatives. Ah, oh, we're just in time to see a congressman pass a bill. Listen. Hi, Bill. Hi. <laughs> yep, that was Bill he just passed. And we continue on down Famous Avenue K, named after Danny. And from here, we turn down Philadelphia Avenue, named after cream cheese. And we find ourselves on Famous Pennsylvania Avenue, named after a polka. To our left is the President's home, the White House. We stop. Perhaps the first family is at home tonight. The window is open. Listen. <laughs> they're home. We'll drop back later when they're not so busy. And boarding our sturdy little bus, we wait as our burly driver starts up the powerful engine. <laughs> Inside the famous United States Mint, named after a julep. The men... The men employed here in the Mint go through the most thorough examinations for honesty, integrity, and complete faithfulness. Ah, here comes a trustworthy employee now. He beckons to us. Pardon me, friend. Could I interest you in a brand new $5 bill for only $1? $5 bill for only $1? How can you do it? Confidentially, they're seconds. It's a clearance sale. <laughs> Clearance sale on $5 bills? Yeah, we run off a bad batch. Lincoln's picture come out upside down. Upside down? Mm-hmm. The beard is now eyebrows. Lincoln looks like John L. Lewis. <laughs> and when we refuse to buy the fin, he gives us the fish eye. And we continue on our way down Hoover Boulevard, named after a vacuum cleaner. And here we are. Here we are at the White House again. Perhaps, if they're not busy, we can go in and visit. <laughs> Still busy. We'll be back. We continue down Adams Street, named after a hat, as our faithful bus starts off with a roar. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and here we are 
are in front of the most famous of all landmarks, the Washington Monument, towering majestically 200 feet in the sky. It reminds us of the day it was unveiled, when a disappointed senator from New Jersey made that world-famous statement. He said, Washington Monument doesn't look a bit like him. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. Ah, let us hurry back to the White House. Look, the window is still open. You said this was my night at the piano. Please, Father. Ah, Father! And as the beautiful strains of the Missouri waltz come floating out of the White House and the Secret Service men dance with each other on the front lawn, <laughs> we reluctantly leave this merry group and say farewell to Washington. Farewell, Washington, D.C. D.C., named after an electric current. <laughs> Thank you. That was Love is Sweeping the Country, and the country sweeping it right back to the city. Played by Ray, Ray Block and the Philip Morris Orchestra. And Ray, let me say your music is always soothing, like frozen custard. It comes out smooth and leaves you cold. It comes out smooth and leaves you... All right. I, uh... I could use three more fat jokes here. And now, as we continue... Uh, I wish I was going with hope to England. And now, as we continue... As we continue, what a blow to Princess Elizabeth. Why, we, uh, as we continue our salute to the great game of politics, we present. Political Forum tonight. Political Forum tonight. The question Should we have a third party now or wait until New Year's Eve? <laughs> yes, sir, there will be a slight pause for joke identification. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gallup. Now, let us commence with our forum and questions from the audience. Let's start with this gentleman in the aisle teaching his wife how to drive. Uh, yes, sir? Mr. Merrill, I'm from the Democratic Party. Yes? We feel you are the one to pull us to victory in 48. I will pull you to victory. The Democrats want a new candidate. The Democrats want a new donkey. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure I would prove an asset. But let us go on. <laughs> oh, that's a honey. I love you, man. <laughs> All right, this young man here in the monogram toupee. Are you standing on your knees? No. This uh, young man, what is your name? My name is Stanislaus Bublyantovich. Stanislaus Bublyantovich? That's just my business name. I see. What's your real name? The Smiling Irishman. <laughs> All right. All right, Madman Munts, you have a uh, you have a question about politics. Why you running for president or something? No, but we. Boy, have in a... this country, anyone can be a candidate, even you. No, look, we're Who not... you got for your running mate, Lassie? No, wait a minute. I wouldn't vote for you if you was running for garbage and stuff. But I don't know. A vote for Berlin, a vote for dirty subways, gambling bookies, wide open burlesque houses. Down with Berlin. I didn't a say. A vote for Berlin, a vote for depression. No chicken, not even a pot. Down with Berlin. Please, I... I your father's ballot. <laughs> Let's not get excited. Let's not... Too much noise. Just laughs. Let's hear... Um, let's hear from the fairer sex. All right, this lady in the third row basting a chuck roast. What, uh, 
What is your What is your name, please? Tallulah Feeney. I'm a homemaker. I see. And you have a question that has to do with politics? Yeah. How can I stop my husband from hanging around City Hall? He's a waste pest in them pigeons. <laughs> your husband hangs around City Hall? Politicians give him jobs. For a while, he worked for the Board of Health. He was a restaurant inspector. <laughs> he was a restaurant inspector? He used to go back in the kitchens and stick his foot in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> Mrs. Feeney, that, that's how he inspected mashed potatoes? Yeah, if he didn't stub his toe on something, he okayed it. <laughs> that's terrible, sticking his foot in mashed potatoes. He took his shoe off first. <laughs> oh. What, do you think he is, a slob or something? No, no. No, but that's different. Once they give him a job as a dog catcher... But it was too confusing for the other dog catcher. It was confusing? It was always catching him. <laughs> Wait a minute, they thought he was a dog? Why, that's terrible. No, it was kind of cute. At night, he used to come trotting home with a newspaper in his mouth. <laughs> oh, that is cute. They finally made him a cop. He was a policeman, huh? For two years, he was on the force. You should see the way his feet flattened out. They're bad? It's terrible when he steps out of the shower and slaps those big flat feet down on the wet tile floor. <laughs> what happened? I gotta come in and rock him a little to break the suction. <laughs> Mrs. Feeney, you have your troubles. My worries are over. The city's taking care of him good now. What is he doing? Time. Thank you very much, Mrs. Feeney. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, as a fitting conclusion to our political forum tonight, we are very privileged to present a true politician, none other than that two-fisted, hard-hitting, fighting senator from the West, Big Ed Featherfield. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Featherfield. <laughs> senator Featherfield. Thank you, Mr. Barrow. May I take this golden opportunity to thank my many constituents who, through rain or shine, have always been behind me and supported me where I needed it most. Well, uh, tell us, Senator... Excuse me, Mr. Burrell, do you mind if I sit down? You want to sit down? I'm pooped. You're tired? On the way over, I picked up a caterpillar off the sidewalk. I think I strained myself. <laughs> But a caterpillar isn't heavy. This one had just eaten. Oh, oh. Well, Senator, tell me, how did you ever get into politics? My wife insisted. She gave me a hand. She gave you a hand? Across the mouth. Your wife helped you in your campaign? Oh, yes. In the last election, she carried half of Dallas County. She did? Yeah, but they made her put it down. Oh, I see. You... You're very fooling tonight, really. You... Your wife is a very big woman, eh? Big? Yeah. Whenever it's roundup time in Texas, she comes home branded. Branded? Oh, what a bum steer I got. <laughs> Good you're laughing at your own. Senator, you mean... You mean your wife mistreats you? Oh, now, don't get her wrong, Mr. Burrell. No? When she shellacked me last night, I had it coming. You were bad again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me, Senator, what did you do? Well, last night... Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't be telling Oh, go ahead. <laughs> last night, I left the room while we had company. You left the room? What's wrong with that? You don't understand. I forgot to raise my hand. <laughs> 
getting back to political campaign, Senator, when was the first time you ran? The day after I got married. What did you run for? My life. Thank you, Senator Featherfield. Thank you. Our young singing star Dick Farney to sing the best things in life for free. The moon belongs to everyone. The best things in life are free. The stars belong to everyone. They gleam there for you and me. The flowers in spring, the robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine, and love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. The moon belongs to everyone. The best things in life are free. The stars belong to everyone. They gleam there for you and me. The flowers in spring. The robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine, and love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. Good night, everyone. The Mesenberg Show was written by Nat Hyken and Alan Rubin. This is Frank Gallup saying good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That's the Milton Berle Show, November 11th, 1947. A salute to Washington, D.C. Milton Berle, who played Louis the Lilac from Batman. And we have more villains from the Batman television series coming your way. But first, these words. Special Batman edition of the WGN Radio Theater here will be here till 3 a.m., Lisa. It's really a Batman and Robin special edition because that was the key word of the hour. So, like, I think <laughs> I'm Batman. We had Robin on. Yeah. And who are you? I'm Robin. No, we had Robin. We had oh. the real Robin. <laughs> so who are you? Who are, are you? you? Like, well, who would you be then in that? I'm, I'm guessing you'd be like Aunt Harriet. Yeah, that's about right. If yeah. And Harriet, that's who you'd be. Thanks. If you're Batman, I'm Robin. Just no, saying. we had the real Robin. Well, I'm your Robin. So I think you're maybe your Batgirl. <laughs> I think I'm. Could your... you be Batgirl? I already answered your question. <laughs> you just don't like my answer. So here's the whole deal, folks. We had Robin. We had Burt Ward on, and we just listened to Milton Berle. He played Louis the Lilac. 
Okay. Now, in our next hour, we have Burgess Meredith, who was the Penguin on Batman. He stars in the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater. In our third hour, we have two villains in one radio show, Lisa. Two villains in one show. Good find. Vincent Price, who was the Egghead on Batman, and Ida Lupino, who was Dr. Cassandra Spellcraft on Batman, right? They were both in one radio show, Suspense. And then in our fourth hour, we have Van Johnson. He was the minstrel from Batman. He is on the Screen Guild Theater. And then in our fifth hour, hour five, we have Cesar Romero as the Joker uh, guest on the Burns and Allen Show. So a lot of Batman villains coming your way. And we have a brand new website and a special thank you to our listeners. This website, which is 100radioshows.com, we have revamped it. When you go there, 100radioshows.com, the number 100radioshows.com, there are five classic radio shows waiting for you to digitally download free. They're absolutely free. It's a thank you from Lisa and me and Mike and Shante and everyone here at the WGN Radio Theater. Go there, get your five free classic radio shows, awesome shows, digitally remastered. And then you can peruse and browse through 700 additional classic radio shows for purchase. Now, if you decide you want to purchase any of those shows, they're in collections, 100 shows in each collection, make sure that you use the promo code RADIO at checkout. Because when you use the promo code RADIO at checkout, you will save 70% because you're a listener of this show. So you get the five free shows, no strings attached. Go to 100radioshows.com. That's yours free. If you decide to purchase anything at that website, use the promo code RADIO at checkout, and you'll see the price drop 70% in the, uh, in the checkout. Right. I actually did that as soon as the uh, website went up. And all you have to do is give your name and email address for the free downloads. And yeah. if you want to do that, that's fine. That's That was the way I did it. But yeah. Get the freebies. <laughs> Get the freebies. Um, but check out the website. There's a lot of great stuff there. And again, the special code is radio. Yeah. Do that at checkout. Save 70%. All right. We're here till uh, three o'clock in the morning. In fact, we're here every Saturday night till three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we start a little later than other nights. Tonight we got to start at 10 p.m. Five classic radio shows coming your way. To the Batcave, Lisa. To the Batcave. To the Batcave, Carl. Now, I'm trying to figure this out. If you're not Aunt Harriet, then you must be Batgirl. Okay. All right. We had Robin. I'm Batman. No. You know, as a kid, I watched so much Batman. You're, in your imagination, you're Batman. I want to be Robin. No, you can't be Robin. Yes, we had I the can. real Robin on well, earlier. I can be See, look, Robin in my own look, mind. You're not Robin. Well, then you're not okay? Batman. You're, you could be Batgirl. That was Yvonne Craig. She was great as Batgirl. But I said Robin, and I meant Robin. No. <laughs> Can't be Robin. It's <laughs> absolutely be, it's forbidden. Then you can't be no, Batman. No, let me tell you something. When I was a kid and I watched Batman all the time, I watched so much Batman that my family, people, my sisters and my brother and other people, they used to call me Batman. Yeah, okay. They really did. They were like, hey, Batman, hey, Batman. My, I remember, Don't you have a bat ring? Oh, I have Batman stuff, yeah. yeah. I have Batman m- memorabilia. But when I was a kid, I was so into it that... Um, my, and I remember my sister's boyfriend at the time, my sister Carlene's boyfriend, 
used to call me, he started it. He used to call me Batman, and then everybody started calling me Batman. Wow. I really believed I was Batman. All right, well, I, I'm not going to go with that, So though. you know what it was like, you know, to, to grow up and then get to be friends with Adam West? Yes. And he we worked on my shows and did Twilight Zones for me and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And now, you know, I feel like I'm friends with Burt Ward. He yeah. invited us to come to Hollywood. I, we should go. We should jump on one of your private jets. <laughs> let's get on Lisa's private jet. Let's, let's uh, take a little rest. We'll go to it. out there. He invited us. We could be right there. We'd put our hands in the... In the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's do it. Burt Ward. That was fun. Yeah, it was glad. In this fun. hour, we have Burgess Meredith. <laughs> he was the Penguin. He's starring in the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater from 1945. That's coming up in just a few minutes. And then we have more villains throughout the night in classic radio shows. But before villains, we're going to be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate oh, because wow. we're going to play our game Guess That Song. It's your lucky night. We're disco? still on disco All for right, the night. Disco. So I think you'll be very successful in this genre. You know, Batman and Robin did like a disco dance in the, in I the guess show, you remember? Could call it that. It was, they did the Bat Woogie or something like that before Bat-go- before boogie. the real disco era but they were ahead of their time that's true so, so we're going to be looking for caller number three you can call right now at 312-981-7200 disco we'll be right back Naughty, yes, naughty, that song. Naughty, naughty girl. You're that's your brain. You are naughty. Come on, let's focus. We've got Ernie on the phone to play the game. Hey, Ernie. <laughs> Why, hello, Carl. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Hi how are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm doing good. Good. So glad you made it through. Your Were you a Batman fan, Ernie? Or did you watch Batman as a kid? Oh, I still watch it. I yeah. still watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you heard uh, the Burt Ward, man. That was Robin right there. He, uh, 20 years old, he was playing Batman. I on feel television. like we could or have talked to him Robin. for hours. He definitely wasn't <laughs> Batman. I feel like we could have talked to him for hours. Maybe yeah. we'll have him back sometime. Great guest, yeah. uh, in the meantime, we're going to do a little guess that song. I hope that you are a big fan of disco like Carl is. Um, this is oh, really yeah, his thing. Nice. All right. This is going to be easy for you guys. I'm telling you All for right. sure. Well, let's play the first song right now. That's how you Carl's dancing in the studio. Do you know what that is, Ernie? Yeah, it's a BG. It yes. definitely is. I know the song. <laughs> if Ernie can't think of it, I got it. All right, let's give him a shot. I got the first part, Carl. That's, yes, right. you did. You ready, Ernie? What a team. Staying alive. Let's do it. There you go. Everybody can see the studio because Carl's got his best dance moves going. In. I'm telling you, I used to have my my platform <laughs> Here shoes, go. Here platform go, shoes, and my my uh, I had my um, Your gold Italian horn. horn. <laughs> <laughs> no hair. Disco ball. I had no hair. I had a disco ball. Ernie, I'm I'm like I had no hair on my chest. You back still then. don't. So <laughs> this is from 19. 19- <laughs> this is from 1977. Of course, this plays over the opening credits of the movie Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Well. John Tavril destructs my through life. the streets of New the York changed City. changed my life. I know, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go with song number two. All right. Oh, what is that song? Well, I've heard that song so many times, but I could not give you an answer right now on that. That's it. Yes, that's it. I can't think of it. I'll give you a clue, you All guys. Right, I'll yeah. tell you who, who sings it. Cool in the gang. No, it's Michael it? Jackson. Oh, yeah, you guys. Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know right. the song. What is it? All right, let's hear it. Just 
Let it go a minute. Come on, guys, it's right here. Oh, don't, don't, don't stop till you get, to get enough. enough. This is from 1979. Not only was this his first solo song he wrote by himself, mm-hmm. but it was also the song that introduced Michael Jackson's falsetto voice, which would become his signature technique. Wow. Right? This yeah. is big stuff. Awesome. Ernie, you are the winner here. Not yep. Carl, but you. Yep. <laughs> you have won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Find one of their 40 plus Chicagoland locations or order online at com. You know, it would be great. Play some disco and have a great pizza on us. And uh, you'll remember WGN Radio Theater. Way to go, Ernie. <laughs> hey. Thank you guys so much. Thank You're welcome, you. It's great buddy. to talk to you. Ernie. Great talking to you. All right, we have uh, we have villains, Batman villains, starring in our classic radio shows. Let's do the rundown in this hour. Burgess Meredith, starring in the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater, a show called Standing Room Only. That's coming your way in a minute. Then next hour, suspense with two villains, Vincent Price and Ida Lupino, starring Fugue in C Minor from 1944. After that, we have the Screen Guild Theater, The Devil and Miss Jones, with Van Johnson. He played the minstrel, Van Johnson. And then uh, the last hour, Cesar Romero, the Joker. And uh, here's a little trivia question for you, Lisa. This Uh is interesting. Okay. I was going to ask Bert Ward, but we just ran out of time. So... When that show came on, 1966, right. and they were like, you know, ramping up for it, and Bill Dozier, who was the producer, Which you know, you heard him mention, right. yeah, and he was casting people. Um, the Joker was not the first villain, so the first villain was the Riddler, and they cast Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. That was the episode one. So they made that episode, and then Bill Dozier took that episode, and he called actors in, you know, people that he wanted to play villains, and he let them watch that first episode before it ever aired. It was, mm-hmm. you know, he had it in the right. can. And that's how it, people were like, oh, my gosh, because actually that first episode got a 55 share. Now, that is like... Beyond Super Bowl numbers, right? That means 55% of the viewing audience were tuned in to watch that first episode. So what he did, what Bill Dozier did, is he had, you know, certain people like Vincent Price and Ida Lupino and other people, Mm -hmm. Burgess Meredith, had them come into his studio you know, into his office, and he ran the episode for them. And he said, look, we'd like you to play this and that. So... There was an actor, big-name actor, big, big-name actor, that wanted to play the Joker, okay? Uh, now, of course, Cesar Romero got that part, but there was a big actor that wanted to play that role, called Bill Dozier and said, hey, I heard about this series, I want to play the Joker. And he said, I'm sorry, we already cast, you know, Cesar Romero. You know who that actor was? No, I don't. Frank Sinatra. No, I yeah. didn't know that. Frank Sinatra. Here's another trivia, real quick. I won't know, but interesting. They canceled the series, and then another network, you know, it was on ABC, and then another network, I think it was NBC, said, we'll pick it up. You mm-hmm. know, they canceled it. But then what happened was they had already knocked the whole, cost over a million dollars to make the Batcave back then right and when they had demolished it already then nbc said nah forget it you know i mean if you had the set right and at that time when they were going to continue in 1969 
they had cast for Two-Face, which was one of the big villains, they cast a huge actor as Two-Face. You know who that was? Clint Eastwood. No, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, Clint Eastwood. I just saw his new movie. It's too bad because yeah. it would have been great to see wow. you know, a young Clint Eastwood. Well, I know when Batman was on and it was on twice a week, it became the number one and number two show on television. Yeah, just Crazy. amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, we have villains all show long, and we have uh, an episode now of the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater, Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater. This was a uh, this was a, a show that came to the air for only two seasons, 1944-1945 on NBC. The host was the comedy star Harold Lloyd. You know, he was in all the silent films. He did some talkies too. Comedy stories by top writers were on the show, and the biggest names in filmdom were on this program, including Robert Young, Claudette Colbert, Fred Allen, Lucille Ball, Eve Arden, Burgess Meredith, who you're going to hear in this episode, and it was sponsored by Old Gold Cigarettes. It only lasted, as I say, like one and a half seasons. Now, we have uh, Burgess Meredith, who was the Penguin in Batman. Here's a uh, March 4th, 1945 episode called Standing Room Only. Uninterrupted, here's the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater. California, the Comedy Theater. The only radio program that brings you every week the greatest stars in the greatest comedies. Tonight's play, the radio version of the Paramount Picture success, Standing Room Only, starring Paulette Goddard and Burgess Meredith. And here is the director of Comedy Theater, Mr. Harold Lloyd. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Our play tonight is the radio version of the Paramount picture, Standing Room Only. And our stars, well, (laughs) to take the lady first, and who wouldn't when the lady happens to be Paulette Goddard. And here's one of her closest relations, Burgess Meredith. ready to do my best for dear old Rutgers. And uh, a very fine best it is, Burgess, remembering your magnificent performances in Winterset, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Spare uh, my blushes. uh, Sure. Well, you don't have to believe me. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. What I want to know is, where's Paulette? 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 Oh! Paulette got it, yeah. But she's she's out in the wings. See, she's a good wife. She always allows me to make the first entrance. Hmm, she does, huh? Yeah. Uh, better get her in here quick. You really want her? Mm. Paulette! Come out here! Once! Come, Burgess! <laughs> and put that whip away. <laughs> Hello, Harold. Hello, Paulette. Hello, Harold. <laughs> Hello, Paulette. Monotonous Hello. conversation. <laughs> How about getting on with the play? Huh? Play? Yeah. Oh, play. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Standing room only, in uh, which you, Burgess, take the part of Lee Stevens, general manager of the Todd Toy Works. Uh, you're engaged to Alice Todd. The boss's daughter? Uh, that's right. Cunning of me. <laughs> and uh, Paulette, you're Jane Rogers, Lee Stevens's brand new secretary. You've uh, never been a secretary before. 
But you wanted so much to work for Mr. Stevens that you took the job without any experience. Yes. Uh, you've flown ahead to Washington where Lee is following you. He's coming to Washington to see a Mr. Ritchie, head of OPB, about converting the Todd Toy Works into small arms manufacture for the Army. And as the play opens, we see Lee Stevens enter the lobby of a Washington hotel. Clerk, clerk, clerk. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have a reservation. My name, name's Lee Stevens. Lee Stevens? Those reservations were canceled. Canceled? I didn't cancel them. Your secretary did. My secretary? Yes, she objected to the accommodations. The rooms were too small and there was no bath. Well, never mind that. I'll take them. I'm sorry. I've already given them to Prince Starenberg of Nalabar. He doesn't need a bath. <laughs> How soon can you give me something? Well, next Tuesday I may be able to give you some space in the billiard room. Next Tuesday? Behind the eight ball, no doubt. Mr. Stevens! Mr. Stevens! Hello, who are you? Oh, are you Miss Rogers? <laughs> yes, I am. You canceled my room reservations here? Why? Well, they were awfully dinky, and they looked out on an alley. Has and... anybody ever told you that Washington happens to be very crowded these days? Oh, well, I didn't want them to think they were putting anything over on you. The only thing I want put over me is a roof. Oh, well, I'll find you something right away. Now remember, we don't need a royal suite. Any place with a bed, uh, two beds, will do. <laughs> It's two o'clock in the morning. Yes, yes. It's a nice nightclub we're in. It's not crowded either. Oh, I did try to get rooms, but... Uh-oh, there's the waiter again. Uh, your bill, sir. I didn't ask for it. It's late, sir. It's two o'clock. Let's not be narrow-minded about it. We'll have another drink. The bar is closed, sir. I see. Bring us a sandwich. The kitchen's closed, the chef has gone home, the orchestra's gone home, I should go home. It's time for people to go to bed. Tell me, come here, tell me, what's the situation where you live? Any extra room? Yeah, I have a four-room flat and 11 kids. And you want to go home? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm expected, huh? Waiter, listen, old pal. Can you suggest any place for us to go? Yes, sir, I can, but we ain't allowed to talk to the customers that way. It's raining. I know. Where do you think I'm from, California? <laughs> dry under this statue, though. I'm awfully glad I found it. Yes, this is an ideal spot for a contortionist. I never thought I'd be sleeping under General Grant and his horse. He was a great general. Mind if I uh, push over a little? All right, move over. Oh! oh, dear. Oh, Mr. Stevens, did you fall off the pedestal? No, no. I was playing paratrooper and I bailed out. <laughs> you, you better get up. I know. You catch cold. No, I... I, I I already have. Oh, dear. This is all my fault, isn't it? Mr. Stevens, I'm going to make it all up to you. How? No, don't answer me that. Well, I, uh, I had an idea earlier this evening, but I just didn't think that... I know you didn't think. Uh, oh, Mr. Stevens, don't get excited. <sighs> now, you wait right here, and I'll come back for you as soon as I find some rooms. Don't be lonesome. I won't. 
You see? I have plenty of company. This is the place I found. I mean, granted, it's in the back, but it does have a private entrance and... How much? Oh, we're getting $125 a month. You're getting? I mean, giving. Oh, well, it's all right. It's not the Ritz, but it's warm. Isn't it, though? Uh, this is the living room and the bedroom. It's a nice big double bed. Whose room is this? Ours. What? Oh, I'll sleep in the living room on the sofa. Well, all right, Jane. You've done all right. Finding this place makes up for a lot. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'll be back in a minute. I, uh, I have to go to see our landlord. All right. Come in. Uh, come in. Well, I'm certainly glad to see you, my dear. Uh, I mean, uh, well... Uh... How do you like your quarters? Oh, they're very nice, thank you. Your husband liked them? I had... Oh, yes, Mr. Cromwell. Good, good. And now, re remember, Mr. Cromwell, you said that if we didn't like the job, we could leave in the morning. Oh, my dear, don't even mention such a thing. Uh, you like it here. If there's anything you don't like, we'll correct it. Cooks and butlers aren't very easy to get, you know. Mm, uh, like a drink? Thank you. Yeah. Here you are. Uh, I must say, we never had a cook like you, even at peacetime. <laughs> but I haven't cooked anything for you yet mm, uh, We still never had a cook like you uh, Here's to, uh, to good housekeeping uh, Major should be home soon The Major? Uh, my wife, she's head of the Plops Plops? Yes, uh, a group of ladies who've adopted the paratroopers Oh, uh... <laughs> Perhaps, uh, perhaps I should tell you, uh, we breakfast at 5.45 in the morning. 5.45? Uh, the major likes to keep the same hours the troops in the field. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you said you have no uniforms of your own, so I, I brought these out. Uh, some of the other servants we've had left them. Uh, let me see. Uh, no, no, this is too large. Uh, perhaps, uh, this, uh, you hold it at the top, and I'll see if it's too long. Uh, a little. I'll turn it up a bit. Thank uh, you. As long as you have nice legs, there's no use covering, you see. Yes, no, indeed. Uh, no, sir, as I always Mr. say... Mr. Cromwell, there's someone at the door. Yes, I always say, let's not hide our Mr. blessings. Mr. Cromwell, Ira, what are you uh, doing? Oh, <laughs> hello, dear. I'm uh, just fixing her ham. I didn't know you were interested in sewing. Oh, I'm not. I was only interested in holding up her skirt. I mean, let's... Getting it the right length. Uh, you, you see, this is our new cook. Uh, Jane, this is the major. How do you do, Mrs. Cromwell? I mean, Major Cromwell. Have you references? Oh, she's married, Harriet. Her husband's our new butler. Really? Well, let's see him. Oh, but you can't. Why not? Well, he has a cold. He's in bed. Have you seen him, Ira? Uh, no. Well, the man may be an invalid. Go along with Jane and take a look at him. Report back to me. I, I, sir. I mean, uh, come along. <laughs> Yes, he is in bed. Uh, uh, hello there. I just came to see how you were. This, um, this is Mr. Cromwell. Uh, hello. Uh, Mr. Cromwell, just wanted to say hello. Now, you'd better go to sleep now. So long, Cromwell. Thanks for looking in. Uh, not at all, but uh, not at all. Uh, oh, by the way, we're, we're planning on having a few people in tomorrow night. I, I trust you'll be fit. A party? Oh. Uh, nothing elaborate, nothing elaborate. I see. 
Well, I'll try to make it, but don't count on me. <laughs> I imagine I'll be tired. Uh, uh, well, uh, well, then, uh, perhaps I'd better postpone it until the next night. Oh, now, that's nice of you, but I can't really commit myself that far in advance. Uh, you, you can't? Uh, but, but, but uh, I, I see. Well, uh, well, Jane will tell you about things. Uh, breakfast is at 5.45. What? Uh, my wife's in war work, you see. My apologies to your wife. But I think I'll skip it. Oh, I'll be there, Mr. Cromwell. I love to get up early. Uh, thank you, Jane. Uh, good night. That's a queer, queer duck, isn't he? <laughs> Seemed annoyed when I turned down breakfast. What on earth's that? What? I thought I heard something buzz. You're cold. Oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. What's that gadget there? A wall. It buzzed. His little tag on it says master bedroom. I, uh, I guess somebody wants somebody in the master bedroom. You mean somebody up there wants somebody in here? Uh-huh. You see, I couldn't get any rooms, and this was the only way, and we can quit in the morning, Mr. We Stevens. It's quit. a quit. <laughs> you mean I've been hired as, as a... Butler. As a butler. I'm general manager of a firm employing 1,700 people. Me that's here to put through a contract involving millions. Me, a butler. I'm getting out right now. Still raining, isn't it? Well, so long as you made the deal, I guess we can stay until morning. Yes, Mr. Stevens. <laughs> And now back to Harold Lloyd in tonight's presentation, Standing Room Only, starring Paulette Goddard and Burgess Meredith. All right, Mr. Lloyd. Uh, Washington, as you have heard, is a crowded city. So that when Lee Stevens got there to see a man about a contract, his secretary, Jane Rogers, could find rooms only by hiring herself and Lee out as cook and butler at the Cromwell home. And that's where we find them the next morning. <clears throat> ah, good coffee, Miss Rogers. Oh, your voice is much better. Thank you. Did you sleep well? Yep. At least it's a shelter until I can see Richie and find out how long I have to be in Washington. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way about it this morning, Mr. Stevens. I was afraid I'd done the wrong thing last night. Oh, no, not at all. Well, as long as I'm still a butler, I suppose I've got to ask that funny little man for the day off. Know where he is? I just left him in the library, and when I say left him, I mean it. <laughs> uh, well, I imagine this is the first time he ever had a cook who looked like Miss Atlantic City. Oh, well, that's very flattering, Mr. Stevens. <laughs> Call me Lee. Oh, uh, Lee, before you go, you know, we were hired as a couple. Yes, you told me. You'll find that Mr. Cromwell thinks we're married. I see. While we're at it, did you tell him anything else I ought to know? Oh, no. That's good. Oh, yes, there was something else. I was afraid of that. I, uh, told him my name was Rogers. That's quite a vital point. It helps if you know what your name's supposed to be. <laughs> I'll go try it out. Books. Must be a library. <laughs> well, the phone... A long distance, please. Yep. Hello? 
I want to put through a person-to-person call to T.J. Todd, T-O-D-D. Yes, Todd's Toys, Lamont, Indiana. Yes. This is Capital 7409. That's right. I'll hold it. Hello, Cromwell. (laughs) Good morning, Rogers. Uh, How do you feel this morning? Shh. Long distance. What? (laughs) Hello? Yes, hold the wire, please. Cromwell, I mean, Mr. Cromwell... This call is kind of personal. Do you mind, uh... <laughs> what? Why, uh... Just, no, no, no. I want to see you when I finish. Where'll you be? Oh, I'll come back. I, I mean, I'll be in the living room. Good. Hello. Hello, Mr. Todd. Where have you been? I tried your hotel. My no, secretary no. found accommodations elsewhere. We're at 7807 R Street. Now, listen, I haven't been able to talk to Richie yet. It may take some time. Well, we can't hold off production indefinitely. I know, but Richie's hard to get. I don't care how hard he is to get. I want some action. Otherwise, I'll come down myself. No, no, they don't do that. I'll get to see him right away. Well, mm. uh, Alice sends her love. Alice who? Alice Todd, you idiot. Oh, your daughter. Well, that's nice of her. Nice of her? You're engaged to her? Am I? Oh, yes, of course I am. Yes, I remember now. Well, well, I better go now. Yep. Uh, gotta get in and see Richie bright and early. Goodbye. Oh. Cromwell, Cromwell. Uh, yes. i got to have the day off. Uh, the day off? You just came to work last night. I'm sorry, but this is important. Oh, you're, you're not looking for another job? No, I like it very much here if I can have the day off. Oh, there won't be any trouble about that. Uh, you, you can have the day off. Thank you. Uh, Rogers, uh, I, I want you to understand, I, I still am not copying, but don't you think you ought to wear more than a dressing gown and slippers when you come into this part of the house? Very well, if that's the way you want it. However, the last place I worked, the people liked me to look informal. <laughs> toodle-doo. Toodle-doo there, Kamala. But this is Tuesday. I had a definite appointment with Mr. Ritchie. Sorry, Mr. Ritchie's busy. I have an appointment with Mr. Ritchie. Sorry, Mr. Ritchie's busy. I have... Sorry, Mr. Ritchie is busy. Look, when I came in this office, I was a young man. I've got to see Mr. Ritchie. Mr. Ritchie is very busy. I've been waiting for three days. I know of one man who waited three weeks to see Mr. Ritchie. Did he get in then? No. He was drafted. Lee, have you seen Ritchie? No. I could rebuild his waiting room for memory. Well, he's coming here tonight for dinner. Tonight? Here? Well, then I've got to get out of here. Oh, no. No, when you wait on his table tonight, you can slip a note to him and then... Jane, haven't you got me in enough trouble? Well, you haven't been able to get to him any other way. Well, that's true. It's crazy, but it might work. I haven't been able to phone Todd. I better better send him a letter. The old boy might get restless. Will you take a letter, please, Jane? Uh, yes, Mr. Stevens. Uh, wait till I turn down the stove. Yes, you ready? Uh, dear Mr. Todd, semicolon, although there's been a slight delay, comma, I think I'm in a position to assure you that by tonight, at the very latest, Jack, am I going too fast for you? No. Let me look at your pad. What do you call that, wild hand? (laughs) It's, uh, it's a kind of system I use. You mean that you just don't know shorthand? Well, not exactly. What kind of a secretary are you? Well, I wasn't one until I got this job. What did you do before you got this job? I worked in the donkey department. What did you do in the donkey department? I pinned tails on the donkeys. (laughs) And that qualified you to work for me? Well, I wanted to work for you. And why did you want to work for me? Oh, 
There isn't a girl in the factory wouldn't want to work for you, Lee. I mean, Mr. Stevens. Oh. <laughs> well, you're very resourceful anyway. Anybody can learn shorthand, but they can't learn to be resourceful, can they? Oh, I'm so happy. And I'm glad you're happy. Oh, I am. I've never been happier. I... <laughs> Mr. Stevens, are you going to kiss me? What? Do you think? <laughs> Did uh, Miss Todd ever kiss you like that? Who? Miss Todd. Oh, the girl I'm engaged to. Mm-hmm. Let's try not to think about it. Let's just do that again. Mm. Uh, it's the front door, Mr. Stevens. The devil with the front door. Let Cromwell answer it. <laughs> doesn't look like a place where they rent rooms, Dad. Well, this is the address, Alice. I'll ring again. Uh, I'm sorry. My butler seems to have uh, come in, won't you? Oh, thanks. <clears throat> we want to see Mr. Stevens. My name is Todd, and this is my daughter, Alice. Uh, hello. Uh, but I, I'm afraid there's no Mr. Stevens here. Well, do you know everybody in the house? I think so. I frequently see the people in it. <laughs> and you get to know them that way. <clears throat> Well, Alice, this is very peculiar. I, oh, uh... Cromwell, was that the front door? Oh, I... uh, me. Yeah, there you are, Stevens. Oh, but he isn't Stevens. He, he's my butler. Rogers is oh, the name. Oh, fiddlesticks. His name's Stevens. What is going on here? Uh, my wife, Major Cromwell, Mr. Todd, and his daughter. Uh, Harriet, it, it seems Rogers isn't Rogers after all. He's Stevens. Well, what is he, a criminal? Lee, why are you wearing that monkey suit? Uh, and who's this? Oh, you rang, Major? Uh, Jane, uh, Jane, why, what did you mean by telling me your name is Rogers when it's Stevens? Stevens? Lee! Uh, yes, Miss Todd. Uh, she's his wife. Hmm? His wife? Lee, did you marry her? No. Lee, I don't understand any of this. Does this girl mean anything to you? Well, yes, she does. She does. Oh, Father, are you going to stand there and let me be insulted? Well, well, no, no, of course not. Lee, you're fired. All right, I'm fired. Come on, Jane, let's go back to the servants' quarters where people are polite. Oh, oh Father! Ira, all I've asked of you is to run this house quietly and efficiently so I can come to have some peace when I come home from the office. You failed. You're not fit to accept responsibility. You're just not fit. All right. All right. If that's the way you feel about it, I'll go home and live with Father. And now back to Harold Lloyd and Act Three of tonight's comedy theater presentation, Standing Room Only, starring Paulette Goddard and Burgess Meredith. All right, Mr. Lloyd. So we find Lee has been fired. He hasn't been able to see Richie yet, and at the moment in the kitchen, he doesn't seem to care because Jane is in his arms. I didn't want you to lose your job just because of me. Can you think of a better reason? Well, but, but you'd become general manager, and Mr. Todd was going to make you his partner if you got the contract. And... Lee. Todd, get out. Now, don't lose your head. You're not fired. I, I just had to quiet Alice down. After all, she is my daughter. I couldn't have her losing face. I've just sent her back to the hotel. 
Uh, confidentially, my boy, getting rid of her is the best break you ever had. And the job is mine? Of course it is. Now, uh, what's all this trouble about getting to see Richie? Huh? You can't see Richie. Well, he's going to tonight. Tonight? Yes, Mr. Richie's coming here to dinner, and Lee's going to wait on table and speak to him. Hmm. Well, you may need some help. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Lee, is there another one of those monkey suits around? You're going to be a butler, too? Well, uh, two butlers are better than one. <clears throat> Give me a suit and we'll uh, get myself hired, huh? <laughs> Lee, you haven't been able to get to Richie, have you? No. No, darn it, I haven't. Well, go on upstairs and I'll send him up to you. How are you going to do that? Richie will find out. Mr. Richie, your soup. Oh! You've spilt the soup all over me. Clumsy fool out of the butler. I'm dripping wet. What'd you do with my pants, Rogers? I'll give you your pants when I finish talking to you. What? Mr. Ritchie, I want you to look at these plans. I can't be bothered with plans. Will you give me my pants? These plans deal with the conversion of the Todd Toy Works into munitions manufacturing. Will you give me those pants or won't you? No, not until you sign with the Todd Toy Works. Sign with it? Did you say Todd Toy Works? I did. But good Lord, man, I signed an order okaying that conversion two weeks ago. You did? Yes. I owe you an apology. Here's your pants, Mr. Ritchie. Come on downstairs at once. What for? You can spill some soup on my lap. Jane! 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 Jane, kiss me. What? Kiss me. <gasps> oh, dear. Oh, I'm sorry I dropped the duck, Major. Oh, Will someone remove this duck from my lap? <laughs> Leave it lay, darling. We got the order. Oh, Lee! Jane, I love you. Oh, Lee, and I love you. Mm. Mm. Nice. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I, I'm very sorry. But with the servant situation the way it is, you can see we have to allow them certain privileges. Now, this is Harold Lloyd. Paulette Goddard. Burgess Meredith. Saying goodnight to you, and I hope that you'll be with us again next Sunday. See you then. Standing Room Only was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures. Paulette Goddard will soon be seen in the Paramount Picture, Kitty. And now, this is Bob Williams saying goodnight... This is the National Broadcasting Company. That's a Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater standing room only from March 4th, 1945. The stars Burgess Meredith and Paulette Goddard. They were married, um, um, Burgess Meredith and uh, Paulette Goddard. And, uh, of course, Burgess Meredith was quack, 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 the penguin. 
And you know why he did that quack, 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 quack? You know why he did that? sound like the Affleck duck? (laughs) No. (laughs) Actually, why he did that was because, you know, they were... T- you know, they were shooting at a very fast pace, and they yeah. didn't do a lot of takes. And he had that cigarette mm-hmm. right in the cigarette holder, mm-hmm. and he didn't smoke. He actually smoked earlier in his life, but he had quit smoking. And so the smoke bothered him, and it would make him cough, and he didn't want to, you know, he'd be saying a line, and the smoke would make him, you know, c- choke. So he would talk, and then you so they wouldn't have to break all the times. Really? No, I didn't. Yeah, know that. that's why he did that. And he actually told Bill Dozier one time, the producer of the show, if I start smoking again because of you, I'm going to sue the show. And Bill Dozier said, "Great, do it. It'll, we'll love the publicity. It'll be awesome." <laughs> so we have villains all the way till 3 o'clock in the morning here. Villains from the Batman 1966-1968 TV show. You know what was a question I was dying to ask Burt Ward, but we ran out of time, was who he likes the best as Batman besides Adam West. Because there's been a lot of Batmans. Right. You know, George Clooney. There was, you know, he's my twin. You know, right. No, yeah, I know. I can twin. see that. George Clooney. There was uh, obviously Christian Bale. Right. Uh, ben Affleck recently played right. him. And then there was uh, Val Kilmer. Did I say that? No. no. Val, Val Kilmer. I think those are all the Batmans. Well, obviously he would choose Adam oh, West. Well, of course, Michael Keaton. He was the first right. one. Right. That's right. Um, well, I know he would choose Adam West, but I was wondering who he beyond liked that. You know, beyond that. Um, so, folks, we have a thank you to you as a listener, if you go to our website, 100, so the number 100radioshows.com, if you log on to that website, there are five classic radio shows waiting for you to digitally download absolutely free. They're just a gift to you for, for listening to the show. And also, when you go to that site, there are seven collections of classic radio shows. Each one of the collections has 50 hours of material, 100 shows. And if you decide you want any of those, make sure you use the promo code RADIO at checkout and save 70% because you're a listener of the show. So you will save 70% off the price by using promo code radio on any of those collections limited time offer but the five free radio shows are waiting for you just log on to 100 radioshows.com make sure you check that out and we'll be back after these words our text in line 312-981-7200 we love hearing from our listeners hope you enjoyed uh, our interview with Bert Ward Robin from the Batman and Robin television show we have villains uh, from that series uh, appearing in every one of our classic radio shows tonight all the way till three o'clock in the morning in our next hour we're going to tune in to suspense from 1944 and this show actually has two villains lisa it has vincent price who played egghead on batman and then ida lapino as doctor she was dr cassandra spellcraft on batman Show called Fugue in C Minor. That is uh, that's up next, and then Screen Guild Theater in Hour Four, starring Van Johnson in The Devil and Miss Jones. He was the minstrel, and then in Hour Five, Cesar Romero guest stars 
on the Burns and Allen show from 1949. Cesar Romero, of course, the Joker. And he was amazing, amazing as the Joker. You know, what's amazing is that this series has persisted and really changed the landscape of, of comic books today, even, oh, yeah. in comics. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, just it was such an honor to have the opportunity to speak with Bert. It was 120 episodes, and they've been in, you know, in syndication and reruns. Still. Forever, right? Right, Forever. since 1966. Amazing. Yeah. It really is. I love it. It's a great series. I own the box set on DVD. I'm sure. <laughs> and I just, you know... Uh, you pop know, just one in, pop so it in, and watch it. It's very nostalgic, just like what we do here. Yeah, I love it. What a so great I series. have a question for you. Yes. Do you know a place where we can go that you'll be wearing a speedo and I'll be wearing a white floppy hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where? August first of this year. It's already this year. Lisa. I know. It's not that far. I mean, away. August first is not that far off. I know. Not to plan a vacation. It's not. No, we'll be uh, sailing to Bermuda. On uh, ins- on the Insignia ship, right? Right, and yeah, what Oceana. There you go. Right, and uh, we want all of our listeners to come with us. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. It's uh, August 1st, seven nights, and uh, a really luxurious ship with all kinds of great food. That's very important. I know it is. Food. I'm kind very of important. into the spa. So you could find me there getting a massage, perchance, <laughs> and then I'll head out to the pool. If you can't find Lisa, she's getting a massage. <laughs> Either that or I'm looking for the cabana boy to bring me a Mai Tai, yeah. one or the other. <laughs> a Mai? Do you like Mai Tais? See, I'm going to have a pina colada. I'll probably have you one know, pina colada I'm not a, a coconut fan, so yeah. it's not my favorite. How about a margarita, strawberry, like a frozen okay. margarita? I'd have that. I'd I'll have, have that. that. We could agree on I that. Always, this is how much of a lightweight I am. I'm always like when I tell the bartender, I'll have a pina colada, mm-hmm. but I'm like easy on the rum. Yeah, for sure. You know, or easy on the this. or easy. <laughs> well, on you're going to be on a ship, so go crazy, no, Carl. No, I'm, uh, I'm not into So alcohol. here's the thing. Do you think it's really a possibility that we could get all of our listeners to join us? Every one that? of them? Every single one no, of them? No, the ship would never hold that many. <laughs> We have hundreds of thousands of listeners. Well, how about the first couple hundred? Yeah, we'd love we could it. do that. You know what? We want to get to know our listeners better, and hopefully our listeners want to get to know us better. <laughs> what a great way to travel seven nights on a, a luxurious cruise, August 1st. Here's how you can find out more about it. There's an 800 number. Right. right, and this is the number of the travel agency that we're working with, Keen Luxury Travel. They have given us a stellar rate. So the number is 800-856-1155. Or go to our website, wgnradiotheater.com, and click on the cruise banner. Yeah. We really hope that you'll join us. If you click that cruise banner, there's all kinds of information there. And uh, as Lisa said, we have a terrific rate. It's incredible, and we do have a lot of people going already, so uh, join us. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do all kinds of fun stuff with classic radio, including trivia contests and reenactments and stuff. All right, hour three of the WGN Radio Theater will be here till 3 o'clock in the morning playing your favorite classic radio shows, and this uh, this show is all about Batman, the 1966 through 1968 television series and i gotta tell you lisa i was glued to my television set every tuesday and thursday as a little kid yeah, i was like four young. or five years old i thought this was the greatest thing ever when they did the boom pow when they were fighting yeah it's so different than anything else that had ever been on 
prior. Yeah, you know, um, I remember talking to Adam West. I got to be friends with Adam West. He is actually the announcer on our other radio show, on our Hollywood 360 radio show. He is the announcer, and through his estate, we work with his estate. He's still the announcer on the show. Um, It's an homage to him, and it's an honor to have him as our announcer. Um, And he did a lot of Twilight Zones for me and some other radio and TV things for me. Um, What an honor it was to get to be friends with him. He passed away a couple years ago. But um, he told me one time that... Um, when he was working, you know, on the Batman series, he had no idea how they ever found him. Like, you know, he was an actor. He was doing a lot of things. And, you know, Bill Dozier called him and said, hey, I got this show. We think you're great. It's you and another guy. The other guy was Lyle Wagner, you know, the from yeah. um, the Carol Burnett show. But he said, we really like you and, you know, we'd like you to do this. And so he auditioned. He thought it was it was great. In fact, he told me one time... When they shot the first show, and you know, you don't see any of those boom, pow, bang, bop, you know, that's all done in post, or that's done afterwards. He said, when he watched that first show and he saw all that in there, he was like, this is going to be a huge hit. But getting back to how he, how he was cast, he had no idea. And it, until about the last season, he was talking to Bill Dozier, and Bill Dozier said, oh, yeah, because he asked him, well, how did you even, where did, you know. Right, how did you find He him? says, oh, you were you were Captain Quick. Captain Quick was, you know, Nestle's yeah. Quick, sure, right? Sure, The chocolate. Right. He was this, like, James Bond character on these TV shows, these black and white wow. television show, uh, television commercials, for, for instant chocolate Quick, and he was Captain Quick. And he was like, like I said, a James Bond character. And Bill Dozier saw those commercials. That's like a dream, right? Saw those commercials. And when that show came about, he was like, that guy, right? Is the one. That guy. That, that you know, he didn't know what his name was, but then he asked some agents and this and that. And they were like Adam West and boom. One of the things I really wanted to ask Bert Ward also was, you know, he was only 20 years old when yeah. he got this part. And I wonder if he really, really realized at that young age how iconic this would possibly become. Both Burt Ward and Adam West did had no idea until they saw the final, yeah. you know, the first episode right. with all the pows and bams and booms. And how it was filmed. And then when it got a 55 share. I mean, it's I mean even Super Bowls don't get yeah. 55 shares. I mean, this is like unheard of. When they saw that, they knew. But here's another interesting thing about Batman. So, you know, the movie, there was a Batman movie, right? And it had all the villains in there and everything like that. But they they shot that movie after season 1. Season 1 went through, you know, the 30 something up 39 episodes or so. And then they rushed this movie into production. And the reason why they made that movie was because Bill Dozier, the producer, knew that if they had a movie, they'd get more international television play for the series. Mm -hmm. You know, it was doing great in America, North America, but they didn't have like there was spots missing throughout the rest of the world to carry that series. But when the movie came out, it was super popular because the in domestically the TV show was doing so great. Then they picked up like all the international territory. So that was another smart move on Bill Dozier. 
And uh, also, the Batmobile, which he was talking about, I just saw at auction, it sold to a I, new owner. I, yeah, I read about four that. Four point some million. $4.2 million. Right. And he even said, you know, it was kind of broken down. It didn't have a motor in it, I don't think, anymore. I don't know. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't like a I think a there was a couple car. of Batmobiles, though. There wasn't yeah. just one. All well, right. So, well, one of them is going to be at the uh, yeah. at his uh, star, um, his exactly. Hollywood star uh, walk, walk, of walk the Walk of Fame. fame yeah. In this hour, suspense with two of the villains, Vincent Price and Ida Lupino, but right now it's time to play our game. We're going to do that. We're going to play our game. Guess that song. We are still in disco. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't know Michael Jackson. I'm no, going to give you I another know. chance. Yeah. We're going to go with caller number two. Call right away, right now, 312-981-7200. We will be giving away a desktop indoor weather station. Call right now. We'll be right back. Guess that song. We've got Matt on the phone to play the game with us. Hi, Matt. Hey, Lisa. How are you? you I'm doing great. Thank you both for the entertainment. Oh, thanks, Matt. We're we're trying. Um, Are you a fan of disco music? Because clearly, well, first of all, are you a fan of Batman and Robin, the TV series? I got to find out. Matt, he sounds young. He might not have been around back then. I'm in that age group. I'm in that age group. I was a disco duck. There you go. (laughs) Yes. And did you watch Batman originally or in reruns? Pow Zam! Uh, <laughs> first reruns for yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. All right. All cool. Right. Well, clearly Carl needs a little assistance. Hopefully you can. Uh, yeah, you time. can give him a little help because if it's not BGS, he's out. Yeah. All right. Let's play the first one right now. All right, Matt. Do you know that song? Do you think I'd lay down and die? Uh, no, no, not Keep I. Going. Let's see. That's that's uh, it. That's the next line uh, right after that. <laughs> I will survive. There, he's got it. All right, 1977. I will survive by Gloria Gaynor. Let's All right, it. good tune. Did you know this, Carl? Uh, no, I didn't think so. No, I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to say I did, but good tune. It is great. So this song has become a female empowerment anthem about moving on after a bad relationship. Clearly, you know nothing about that, Carl. Um, <laughs> well, you have to have a relationship that's before true. you can move on from one. Right, and that's not you. Yeah. Okay. So far, I haven't found anyone to have a relationship with. I'm aware of Still that. Still have my, my pillow in the glass case. All right, well, you keep working at it. Matt, you're only 56. I mean, you know, You've got time. Fix me up with, with one of, one of the, your friends, uh, right. Matt. Matt said you will survive. Okay, <laughs> let's try song number two. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, I don't know it, but I like it. <laughs> Matt, do- oh, I, I'm going to freak. Yes, yeah, the, the freak. The freak. You oh, got Matt, it. Matt knows good. his disco. Let's hear it. I feel good. I'm so glad you called. La Freak. <laughs> Carl's trying to dance. I love disco. <laughs> Yeah, I could tell how much you know about it. So the song originally had a different title. The guitarist was irate that he was turned away from the Night Club Studio 54 in New York City. So he wrote a song about it, and the chorus was originally, 
I can't say it, but it's a swear <laughs> word. It. It's ah, uh, and then a blank, and then off. <laughs> it's off, four-letter word, right. and then off Got instead it. of La Freak. Um, you are awesome, Matt. Man. You do, what would Carl do without you? Gosh. You have won the highly coveted desktop indoor weather station. It is brought to you Excellent. by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. You're going to love it. I have it. I have it sitting right on my counter, and I see it every morning. She makes morning. me jealous. She tells me I she do. has it all the time. Check, check it out. Check them out at uh, AmericanWeathermakers.com. Way to go, man. I was a ringer because I've played in different wedding bands. Ah. So I pretty much, yeah. Yeah, you know your, you know your disco. <laughs> yeah, but you probably weren't playing too much disco. Matt, let me ask you a, que- let me ask you a question, <laughs> Matt. Is there really, I mean... Yeah. I love rock and roll. I mean, I love uh, you know the. I love the Rolling Stones. I love Springsteen. I love all those kind of. But there's something about disco. It makes you feel good. It makes you want to get up and dance or something, right? Am I? Uh... It's a straight four four beat. Yeah. Speed goes. Uh, you could work out to it. It's, yeah. It's good to test the time. It really has. So that's I mean, true. that's why I'm glad Lisa's playing some disco tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will move on eventually, but uh, clearly we're enjoying a little uh, disco tonight, and we're yeah. having a, Matt, a great thanks, night. <laughs> thanks for playing the game with us, my friend. Thank Bye, Matt. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, Matt's a big winner. Want a desktop indoor weather station? Yep. Not bad. All right, our text in line, 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. We have uh, villains from the Batman television series as part of our uh, kind of our uh, classic radio lineup. They're all starring in these shows we're playing. And in this hour, two, two of the villains appeared in a 1944 episode of suspense. So how could we not play that, Lisa? Right. right? I'm glad I found a good one there. We've got two villains, not just one. <laughs> Thankfully, we you got found it. Two for the price of one. Right. Here. Let's go back uh, to June 1st, 1944. Vincent Price, who played uh, Egghead, he was great as Egghead in the Batman series, and Ida Lupino, who played Dr. Cassandra Spellcraft, she was a villain on the Batman series as well, uh, starred in Fugue in C minor. Good mystery. Here is uh, uninterrupted now, 30 minute episode of Suspense. Roma Wines presents Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. The Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, welcomes you again to this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you as stars Miss Ida Lupino, currently being seen in Warner Brothers' In Our Time, and Mr. Vincent Price of 20th Century Fox, soon to be seen in the Daryl F. Zanuck production, Wilson. For the appearance of these two distinguished screen personalities, Lucille Fletcher has written a suspense play that deals with brooding anxiety and sharpening suspicion played against the severe and forbidding background of the late Victorian era. And so with Fugue in C minor and with the performances of Ida Lupino and Vincent Price, we again hope to keep you in suspense.
1900. Dear Bessie, this is just to let you know that I arrived in Pilotsville. Lizzie met me at the station. She's heartbroken about Papa's bankruptcy and for some reason feels that it's up to me to remedy the family situation. I told her I'd been offered a job, but she swept away that idea in horror. A girl with your looks, Amanda Peabody, doesn't have to get a job. There are too many rich husbands floating around for that. Furthermore, she says she has a rich husband already picked out for me right here in Pilotsville. Don't you remember? I told you about him at Christmas time. He's a Mr. Evans, richest Croesus, charming, cultured, a lonely widower with two dear little children. And besides that, he's just your type, a real intellectual. You should hear him play the pipe organ. And you know, Bessie, I've met so few interesting men lately. And all you'd have to do is lift your little finger. Mr. Evans. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Chumley. How delightful to see you here. I'd like you to meet my sister. Mr. Evans, my sister, Amanda Peabody. Delighted, I'm sure. It's a lovely party, Mr. Evans. Thank you, Miss Peabody. Have you just come to Pilotsville? Yes. She's down from New York visiting me after the whirl of the hectic social season. Oh, indeed. Well, I'm afraid our Pilotsville society must seem a bit dull to you, Miss Peabody. Oh, no, not at all. It's charming. I've enjoyed everything so much tonight. Your beautiful house, the music. I hear you're going to play for us, Mr. Evans. Oh, a bit. Do you care for organ music, Miss Peabody? Oh, very much. I never miss a church recital. But what a luxury it must be to have your own pipe organ right here in the house. I'm afraid I couldn't do without it. It's my hobby, you know. Bach, Buxtehude, César Frank. Don't you adore their work? Oh, Amanda's very musical. You should hear her render the burning of Rome. <laughs> yes. And the delightful thing, of course, about having a pipe organ in the house is that it's everywhere. To sit at a keyboard and hear the walls, the ceilings, the floors vibrate. You see, Miss Peabody, I've had the pipes installed all over the house. Under this floor, for example, are all the choir stops. Up in the bedroom walls are the stops for the swell manual. In the great uh, 32-foot pedal stops, the giant diapasons are underneath the staircase. My children sleep next door to the echo chamber. <laughs> so, you see, we live like angels here in a paradise of music. How thrilling. Now, ladies, come upstairs to the second floor landing, won't you? And I'll show you the console. It was made for me in Vienna. And Bessie, dear, to tell you the truth, I really find him fascinating. I wish you could hear him play. It sweeps you off your feet. There is such wildness to it, and at the same time, such dignity. And to hear the sound all through that marvelous house, rolling through those gorgeous rooms with their beautiful tapestries and potted palms. I could sit and listen to him all night. You have the most amazing eyes, Miss Peabody. What are you thinking about? The music. Oh, please don't stop. It's so beautiful. Well, you seem to be as mad about music as I am. Your sister says you play too. Oh, no, only a little. My appreciation of it is all inside, I'm afraid. That's plenty. If one can't play, it's better just to enjoy the music of others. I can't bear this sentimental drumming, can you? I shouldn't think you would enjoy it. The idiotic tunes people play nowadays. Give me the old stern classics. They have strength and power. Give me something with life to it. Something that will flood the whole house with sound.
marvelous. Uh, you're a very unusual girl, Miss Peabody. Quite unlike the run of girls here down here at Pilotsville. Yes, in what way? Oh, it's rather hard to explain. Uh, some more tea, Amanda. No, thank you. A muffin? <laughs> no, thank you. You have an excellent cook, Mr. Evans. Please, please call me Theodore. You know you promised. Theodore? Amanda. And your house is beautifully run, too. You must have an excellent housekeeper. Everything always looks so charming and quiet. I haven't even heard a peep out of your children. My children? Oh, yes, the children have been away at school. You have two, haven't you? Yes, Daphne and David. What sweet names? Ordinarily, I don't approve of schools for young children, but you see, they were rather overwrought. After Mrs. Evans passed on... I can well understand. They were almost morbidly devoted to their mother and... Then, of course, the unfortunate circumstances of her death, but uh, I suppose your sister, Mrs. Chumley, has told you all about that. No, not very much, except your wife was killed in a street accident, wasn't she? Yes, in Philadelphia, a brewery wagon and four horses ran her down. Oh, how terrible. It's something I don't like to think about very often. Poor, beautiful Margaret. Well, it's like a nightmare, Amanda, and I still can't feel reconciled, but... Well, what I was driving at was the children... They were in school when she died, and by some malicious stroke of fate, there was an epidemic of scarlet fever raging up there. The authorities wouldn't lift the quarantine and let them out for her funeral. Oh, poor little things. Yes, it upset them dreadfully. In fact, I sometimes fear it's left a mark on them which may endure all their lives. Why, what do you mean? They suffer from delusions, delusions about her. They think that in some way she is linked. Her soul is imprisoned in the organ pipes. Oh, horrible. I wish I could do something about it. It's a frightful notion, but they won't... They don't let me play when they're at home. That echo chamber in particular next door to their bedroom. Yes? You know, it's nothing but an empty sealed room with a few wires. Of course, it's all because they never saw her dead. But they have a notion that she's, well, somehow hidden there. How ghastly. They really think that, do they? Children can think up such very strange things in their little minds... Can't they? Tonight for suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as stars Miss Ida Lupino and Mr. Vincent Price, whom you have heard in the prologue to Fugue in C Minor. Tonight's tale of suspense. first time. It was a shock. They're strange little creatures, utterly unlike their father. The girl is about eleven and the boy eight. They were both dressed in deep mourning. Their large gray eyes seemed strained with terror. They listened and trembled at every sound. This is Miss Peabody, children. She's a very good friend of mine. Now I want you both to shake hands with her. Oh, come now, Daphne. You can at least tell Miss Peabody how old you are. Oh, no. Please don't press her. I know when I was a little girl, I hated people to talk about my age. I'd much rather hear about, well, about school. We're not going back there, no matter what anybody says. David. That's all right. Then you didn't like school. No. And Mommy didn't like it either. 
She cried when we went away. Oh, but your mama wanted you to be educated, didn't she? She wanted you to grow up and be intelligent people, didn't she? Well, didn't she, Daphne? Who are you? You may call me Aunt Amanda. I'm a friend of your papa's. Do you know where my mama is? Your mama? Well, your mama's in heaven, dear. No, she's not. Then where is she, dear? Please, please don't start them off, Amanda. It's too upsetting. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music, like old times. You remember when your mother was alive? We all used to play together. David, you with your cornet and Daphne at the violin, and Mama at the piano. Well, Miss Peabody plays the piano, too. And she's promised to play Narcissus, Mama's favorite piece. Well? Well, perhaps some other time, Theodore, when they don't feel so strange. I tell you, I've humored them to death. Now, come, David. There's your cornet on the mantelpiece. And Daphne? No. I insist. Look, now, I'll start the melody on the organ. David, you come in with your cornet obbligato in the third measure. Daphne, you can follow me. Oh, that's just a cipher. A wire must have stuck somewhere. One of the pipe valves. It's Mama. That's where Mama is. She's calling for us. Oh, don't be silly. I'll just hit the key a few times and it'll stop. You've heard these ciphers before, haven't you, Miss Peabody? Well, I don't know much about pipe organs. It's organ. a common technical occurrence, but very annoying, of course. What is she doing in there? Why doesn't it stop? That's where she is. She's in the pipe and she can't get out. Daphne, stop that nonsense. Oh, hush, dear. Your papa will fix it. No, he won't. He can't. She won't let him because... He killed her. Daphne. Daphne, what did you say? Oh, she didn't mean it, I'm sure. The poor little thing's hysterical. We should never have tried to persuade them. Oh, man. Just because they never looked upon her face, because they never saw her lying there in the coffin. Hush, hush. My own children believe that I am a murderer. Theodore, you're making them both sick. So I, I who loved their mother so much, who was so devoted for 12 years, do I look like a murderer, Amanda? Do I... No. There it is again. It's Mama. It's Mama. Shh, dear. I'll take them upstairs for you, Theodore, while you try and fix it. April 24th. Oh, Bessie. Those poor little children. We took them out to the cemetery today to show them her grave. A marble angel guarded it. It was planted with pure white tulips. How final it was and peaceful. And yet they began to tremble again the moment we set foot inside the house. Poor Theodore. The man is nearly out of his mind. What can he do? I keep asking myself that question. She died in Philadelphia, you say? Yes, on May 15th, just a little less than a year ago. You weren't with her? No, she went there to take a piano lesson. There was a new teacher she'd heard about. She was always so self-conscious about her technique... But she never reached his studio. They notified me at midnight from the city morgue. And no one in Philadelphia saw her? No one except the attendants at the morgue, of course, and the people who picked her up after the collision. It was such a brutal accident. There'd be no one from among them who could speak to the children, explain to them? Oh, no. Oh, it's so horrible, so sordid. Oh, I know, my dear. I hate to make you suffer. But if we could find some way, if 
they could just believe. When you brought her back here to Pilotsville, there was a funeral. Yes. And was there anybody then who saw her? Oh, no, I couldn't bear it, Amanda. I, I didn't think at the time she'd been so beautiful, her lovely, sweet, gentle face and her eyes. The horses had completely trembled. Oh. Even if the children had been able to come home, I wouldn't have let them look. The coffin was sealed when I left Philadelphia. I didn't want to see her again myself. But there was a funeral. People came. There were flowers, an undertaker. Yes. Well, if they could believe that, if there was one witness, perhaps my own sister Lizzie. Funeral, Amanda? Of course there was a funeral. The finest funeral in town. A snow-white hearse and 25 coaches. Everybody sent flowers. The casket wasn't open, but I've been to lots of funerals where they don't open the casket. And from what I understand, she was pretty badly mangled. But it was a beautiful funeral. Mr. Evans played the organ himself, the finest selections, all the sweet old pieces his wife liked. There was Narcissus and Mighty Lack Rose and... Goodbye forever. That's the way it was. So you see, David, my sister, Mrs. Chomley, was there. Yes, but how did she know it was Mama? Oh, David. She didn't see Mama, did she? Well, nobody saw your poor Mama, dear. She wouldn't have wanted anyone to see her. Mommy wasn't there. She talks to us every night. She tells us to look for her. Where, dear? In the pipes. David, your mama's dead. She's been dead for nearly a year. Now, you she... saw her grave out in the cemetery. She's happy and at rest. Why doesn't Papa give us a key? If he'd only let us have it, we could look for her. What key, dear? The keys to the pipes. There's a little door just underneath the stairs. That's where, they... That's where the big pipes are. And inside it's all dark. But where are the... But there are... There are tunnels. There's a little room. A little room. That's where she's hiding. That's where Mommy is. That's where Mommy is. Oh, David, darling, now look, come here. No, I hate you. But why do you hate me? Why don't you let me help you? Because... Because what? Because you... you like him. Him? Papa... You're going to marry him, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, you are. The Venus says you are. You're going to marry him. Then he'll send us back to school. There'll be no one left to help Mama. Poor Mama will never be left out. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. David, what are you doing here? David, did you strike Miss Peabody? He's sick, Theodore. I'm sure he's very sick. Now go to your room at once. Oh, those dreadful children. I tell you, Amanda, they'll ruin whatever happiness we might have. Theodore, I love you very much, but I couldn't marry you. Not with that child's cry ringing in my head. We've got to help them. Give them that key. Let them go and look in the room where the pipes are. Then they'll see for themselves that there's no ghost. Key? Who told you about a key to that room? The children. The children? Amanda, I'm going to tell you something, something I've never told to a living soul. It... It may frighten you. Yes. Margaret was going mad when she died. Oh. No one knew it but me. It ran in her family. I discovered it long after we were married, after the children were born. Otherwise, I'd never have... And now you think the children? I'm afraid so. It was peopling of sound she had, just like them. A fear of the dead's returning. She used to play 
What's that? Sounds like the organ. But the motor isn't on. The console was locked when I left. Someone's trying to play. No one but me can touch that instrument. It's forbidden in this house and the servants are out. Unless those children... Come upstairs, Amanda. Theodore. Why, there's no one here. No one at the keyboard. The organ's playing itself. That's impossible. The motor's not going. The motor? Yes, it sets the bellows going. There's no air in the pipes unless it's on. No air to make the pipes speak. It's impossible, I tell you. Perhaps the children found the key and got in. Key? No, no, no. The key's here in my pocket. There's no other way in. No. Theodore, open that door. Go in there and see what's happening, please. No. Theodore. I won't give in. I I won't be a prey to it. Do you hear? I, I won't. I, I won't. I won't. Here. It stopped now. Yes. It was probably nothing but the wind. Theodore, give me the key. I'm not afraid. Are you saying that I am? I don't know. But I'll be fair with you, Theodore. I couldn't marry you and live here with that any more than your children can. What do you mean? Rip out those pipes. Rip out the whole pipe organ. Give it to a church, but don't keep it here. Get rid of it's the pipe worth... organ? Yes. But I couldn't. The whole house was built around it. It's been the very soul and spirit of this home. It's been the curse, you mean. Theodore, I know I'd go mad, too, if I had to listen to it night and day. It's so hollow. To think of those pipes so huge down there in the darkness. I'd begin to hear things, too. Be quiet. Be quiet. Come outside. We'll take a walk. No. No, give me the key. Give me the key. It's hysterical, Amanda. I'm sorry I've overburdened you. Why don't you want to go in there? Is it because you know something? You did something? What do you mean? Did you kill her? Amanda. <gasps> Very well, Amanda. Here's the key. If that's the way you trust me, we'll go down and look around together. Come now, Amanda. I'm sorry, Theodore. It slipped out. It was a dreadful thing to say. It's all right, I understand. Yet it hurts a little. I've trusted you so completely, Amanda. Theodore. Yes, Amanda. Let's not go in there. I do trust you, darling. I, I believe everything you've told me. No. This little key. To think it should mean so much. Oh, black it is. Yes, pitch black. I'm cold. Where are the pipes? I can't see them. Come in further, Amanda. You'll see them as soon as your eyes grow accustomed to the darkness. The biggest pipes pack this well under the great staircase like giants. Oh, yes. I, I'm beginning to see them now. Shouldn't we go and get a candle? Oh, no, no. Go in a little further. Be careful. The floor is a maze of wires. Now stand there for a second. Theodore, don't leave me. I won't be long. I thought you said you weren't afraid. No, I'm not only... Where are you going? Just upstairs to play for you. Theodore! I'd like you to hear how the music sounds in the darkness. It's quite an experience being so close to the pipes. You know, narrow, suffocating, especially when I play the great Passacaglia and Fugue of Bach. Oh, Theodore, please. I don't want to stay Perhaps here. Perhaps one of the Rheinberger symphonies or the great chorales of Cesar Frank. <laughs> Margaret, of course, preferred Narcissus. Margaret. Now, you're very gullible, Amanda. Then you did kill her. You killed her in this room. And you're going to kill me. Yes, simple, isn't it? 
But why? I don't why? know. One gets tired every now and then of mere music. Sometimes the classics demand competition. A scream, for example. There's something so exciting about pulling out all the stops and drowning out all human sound. Have you ever tried to match your voice, Miss Peabody, against the thunderous voice of Bach? It's most effective. And then when the struggle gets weaker, when the air is almost gone and you choke and gasp for breath to bring the music down softer, softer... Theodore, you're mad, you're mad. Oh, Amanda, would you deny me that pleasure? No, I Help. promise you the concert Help. won't be too long. It takes about eight hours before the air gives out. But you know I could play for days. And don't worry about the children. I think you've convinced them about the ghost. What's that? Theodore! Someone shut the door. It's locked and the key's outside. Who's there? Let me out! Let me out! Theodore! Get away from me. Let me out, do you hear? Let me out! Let me out! I can't breathe! I'm suffocating! It's so dark, I can't breathe! Let me out, please! Please! I can't breathe! I can't... No! No, don't! I can't! I can't! Let, let me out! I can't breathe! <laughs> I shall be coming home in a few days, Bessie. I still can't sleep at night. I still hear that laughter. Still hear that cornet playing its unearthly music. And Theodore Evans once more lies dead at my feet. It was his heart, Bessie. He died of fright. In those few moments, he anticipated the hideous fate he had meted out to so many. And I might have died there if he had not gone so quickly. But the children hated me. They wanted to kill us both. Those terrible, pathetic children. What horrors they must have sensed in that charnel house. There were other women beside his wife. The police found them all buried and stuffed away into unused parts of the pipe organ. Yes, see, I was in that pipe room alone with him for four hours before that door creaked open. There they stood, and I shall never forget their faces or the things they said. All right, Miss Peabody. You can come out now if you're really sorry. I'm sorry. Are you sure he's quite dead? Yes, he's dead. We were right all the time, weren't we, Miss Peabody? Yes, you were right. Now, will you come and help us find Mama? And so closes Fugue in C Minor, starring Miss Ida Lupino and Vincent Price. 
Tonight's tale of Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Of all the rich treasures man gets from the earth and mother nature, none has been more highly esteemed than wine, good, delicious wine. And if you are one who does not yet know how much and how delightfully Roma wines add to your meals, well, let me urge you not to miss out any longer on such a treat as this. There's nothing complicated about it. Just get and serve Roma wine with any meal or any time in any kind of glass you wish. Serve it chilled. Try the many different kinds of Roma wine until you find those you like best of all. Try Roma California Sherry with its wonderful nut-like flavor as an appetizer or ruby red Roma Burgundy or the deliciously delicate flavored Roma Sauterne. These superb wines cost you only pennies a glassful. And yet, they make even the simplest meal taste like a million dollars. Get some today. And if your dealer is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. You owe it to yourself to have and regularly enjoy R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ida Lupino. Mr. Spear has just been telling me a little about next week's suspense show. The star will be Thomas Mitchell in a story about a man who had headaches, tried everything to cure them, finally went to a psychiatrist and found out that he was a murderer. Well, that certainly sounds like a broadcast we listeners won't want to miss. One more word. Don't forget to buy that war bond this week. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Thomas Mitchell and Donald Crisp in... Suspense! Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's a really good episode. Suspense Fugue in C minor from June 1st, 1944, starring Vincent Price and Ida Lapino. That was sponsored by Lisa's favorite drink. R-O-M-A wines. Roma wines. And they were talking about there may be a shortage uh, of Roma well, wines. Well, I know why. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> I'm hoarding. you went to Woodman's. I'm a hoarder. And bought all of the Roma wines. <laughs> that I'm must sure. be it. You know, because Woodman's has the biggest carts. You filled it all up with Roma wine, and she's hoarding it in her basement, and she takes one bottle out a day and drinks it. One? One bottle a day and drinks it. One? What are you, crazy? That's not enough, right? No, it's not. Not enough for you. That's why I... um, I have to work with you all week. That's why we carpool, because I don't trust her to drive, (laughs) but she's always got a bottle of Roma wine, at least one bottle of Roma wines. Well, I've got to, you know, get through the week after working with you. I need a little rest and relaxation in R-O-M-A. You know, Dave Dave Plyer, I believe it's Dave, that has a bottle of Roma wines. It's like, I don't think it's got the wine in it anymore, but there's a bottle of Roma wines. And I think we were talking about it, and he said "Mm, it wasn't very, you know, he tasted Roma wines. Oh, no, it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa's favorite potent potable right there. Uh, Hope you enjoyed Suspense with two of the Batman villains, Vincent Price and Ida Lupino. In our next hour, we have Van Johnson. Van Johnson played the minstrel in the Batman uh, Batman television series, and he is our uh, villain in our next hour. Then after that, hour five, Cesar Romero, the Joker. 
as guest on Burns and Allen. Uh, so stay with us. We'll be here till 3 o'clock in the morning. Our normal time slot, 10 p.m. till 3 a.m. Five straight hours of classic radio for you every Saturday night into Sunday morning. And on each hour, we play a half-hour show uninterrupted. I think that's so great that we uh, we don't have to break the shows anymore, Lisa. Were they broken? Well, we used to have to (laughs) break into them. But now our listeners get to sit back, just relax, enjoy the entire radio show uninterrupted. I think it's great, and I really appreciate it. It's like no intermission. Yeah, WGN allows us to do that. So nice of them. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. That's right. We're on WGN, World's Greatest Newspaper. That's what that stands for. And I'll tell you what, World's Greatest Radio Station, you can hear this station in 40 plus states at night including much of canada and parts of mexico so you know this is a uh, they call it the uh, the blowtorch you know like the you know super powerful 50,000 watts there's not a lot of 50,000 watt radio stations in the country but WGN is one of them and i know there's plenty of people listening on their computer at wgnradio.com or you can say play wgn on alexa oh you know how many alexas just went off right that's now that's okay as long as they want to listen to us <laughs> alexa listen to wgn <laughs> people are going to get mad if i do that though probably um yeah so uh, we're here every saturday night 10 p.m. Till 3 a.m. live broadcast, we come into this awesome studio here at 303 East Wacker. It is amazing. We have a tremendous producer in Shante Garth. She's incredible. And Mike, we're glad to have you back we, this weekend. We love Shante. She's amazing. And then we have Mike Estella, our producer. He's amazing. Dan Long is uh, is our producer, too, here when we're on He's the air. He's our engineer, He's and a, we I mean, really need him. <laughs> what a team. We have an amazing team here. Um, and, you know, Mike Costello behind the scenes, cleaning up all these shows, making them sound amazing. We appreciate uh, everybody that helps put this show on the air. And we have a blast. And thank you, Lisa Wolf. Thank you, Carl Amari. And, you know, Lisa, you, you really are. I mean, I have to give you some kudos. Uh, <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> Once a no, year, I kidding. get a, I get a you pat know, on the you back. You know I think you're the best. No, I know. I think I, you're the best. I feel the same way, Carl. No matter what. And I do bug her a lot. I send her emails. <laughs> I send her emails. I send her texts. Whenever call a lot. lot. Whenever (laughs) I say Lisa, this blah da da da. We need this. That it's always done. That's true. It's done. It's done perfectly. There's no. There's no. Hey, what happened? What? Why didn't this happen? Why isn't this right? Why isn't this picture up? Well, you know, Lisa is amazing. Probably has to do with those two master's degrees you have. Yeah, it, it reminds me to do everything I'm supposed to do. She has two master's degrees. What you are you know, hanging out with me for? I don't even you have. Know what well, it I don't is. even have one. I'll tell you what it is for real. Yeah, it's because this show is my a number one priority. Right, and I have a lot of other jobs. Um, little things here and there, yeah, like kids, like, like like kids, but no other jobs that you know Simba that pay money for kids Simba. <laughs> no other real jobs yeah. that really pay. Uh, but this, <laughs> <laughs> but this one is um, kind of a labor of love for me, right? And I love to be here. I love working with you most of the time, and <laughs> I really love working on WGN. So I yeah. do this because I love it. Well, I got to tell you, man, I don't know what I do without you because uh, when I anytime I send Lisa, hey, can you get this done? It's not only done to 
the expectation I would expect, you know, expect. The expectation always, you would expect. Well, it, to, to my expectations, but it's always beyond it. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be of use and to be helpful <laughs> around here. <laughs> and when you're not here, I mean, it was great having Wayne Mesmer here. He's amazing. He was, ter- he was tremendous. But there's never, it's never the same no. when you're not here only because we're so used to working right. together. Well, that's you know? a good thing. It's, yeah. it's nice to go and it's even better to come back. Yeah, I'll say. All right. Well, in the next hour, we have, so thank you very much. In thank the next you. hour, we have Van Johnson, who was the minstrel on Batman as one of the villains. And then we have Cesar Romero. And you know, Cesar Romero, when they cast Cesar Romero, he had a mustache. He always had his Latin mustache, yep. right? And so the, Bill Dozier cast him as Joker, and then it was the first day of shooting, and he had his mustache, Yes. right? And so the makeup guys were like, okay, Mr. Romero, <laughs> we're ready to shave your mustache. <laughs> That's right. And he was like, what are you talking about? You're not shaving my mustache. We're like, well, yeah, we have to put white makeup on you. You know, you're the Joker. And he's like, nope. no, it's, you're not shaving my mustache. This is my mustache. I love my mustache. You're not shaving the mustache. This is a, this is directly from Adam West told me the story. And so I'm like, what happened? What happened? And Bill Dozier came in. They were like, you know, all standing around. And Bill Dozier said, just just put makeup right over it. Just you leave know. him alone. So if you watch. Batman and the Joker is on there, Cesar Romero, and they do close-ups. If you see close-ups, you'll see the mustache. Yeah, I've seen his picture. You can see right. the mustache, and there's white. Uh, right, white, yeah. White, right under the, gr- white like the grease paint, yep. right? All right, stick around. More of WGN Radio Theater. Yeah, I'm on a uh, diet program myself, Lisa. You yeah. know that? What is it, Carl? It's not Seattle Sutton. It's a different one. What is it? And I've been on it for a while now, and I think I've gained about 15 pounds. <laughs> doing so I'm doing pretty, well. I'm doing pretty it's good on it. It's called Eat Whatever You Want? No, I'm on a real diet program. I get it sent to my house and everything. And I, like I say, I've, I've gained about 15 pounds on it's it. It's working really well. Maybe so, you should try Seattle Sutton. I should. I mean, it worked for for Lou, I mean, he's... It worked for me. Did it? Yeah. You were on Seattle Sutton? I was. I need to do something. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, that was to... way back when, right after I had my daughter. Yeah. And, you know, you got a little extra sure. weight, and it did, sure, a, it a, did, baby a, great, there. A, did a great job. What's I, my um... excuse? I never had, I never gave birth. <laughs> a stress. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what time. I probably should do. I should probably push away from the buffet table once in a while. Probably. You know, that might help a yeah. little. Um, yeah, I think in the last, uh, last since we've been doing this late night show, the last uh, it's not five what we years. Eat here. We don't eat that much. I'm anymore. always eating stuff here. No, you're not. Always, I, you had oatmeal. That I had oatmeal. Was it. But that's fattening, isn't it? I had some oatmeal earlier. No, that oatmeal's not. Really? It's so bad. It's like. Uh, I don't know. We had two oatmeal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I brought you an apple and One you threw oatmeal, it in the garbage. The oat, that apple, you didn't get it at Woodman's. That's why. I didn't. Yeah. I went to Trader Joe's and I got Woodman's has the Macintosh apples, but they weren't good. Yeah, so. no. Go to Woodman's. All right. What are you going to Trader Joe's because for? We it's have a sponsor. Woodman's our sponsor. I know. It's a little closer, but Woodman's is a great store. Don't forget when you uh, shop at Woodman's, folks, don't throw out your receipt. Go to Woodman's and take your receipt. Take a f- picture of it on your uh, on your smartphone, and then text it to Woodman's WGN. At, yeah, Woodman's WGN at gmail dot com. At gmail dot com. When you do that, uh, we will send you twelve classic. But you radio don't mean shows. text it; you mean email it. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs>
<laughs> you See? got it all wrong. Okay, well, take a picture of your for. receipt and to email it. To you got to help me out, Lisa. I'm trying, girl. It's a lot of work. Come on, give me some help here. <laughs> it's a lot of work right, helping you what out. What is it? T- take a picture of your receipt, email it to woodmanswgn at gmail.com, and what will we send you? We'll send you 12 classic radio there shows via go. digital download. For free, just for oh. being a loyal listener and shopper of Woodman's. Yeah, we love Woodman's. God, I love Woodman's. I only have to go... Once every three weeks. Oh gosh, I can't. That's do it. That. Once every three weeks. I know. You see, I don't stock up like that. Yeah, because I, stock I like up. to buy it fresh. Yeah. No, this it lasts three weeks. Deli, no, like deli no, no. Stuff does mine not. does. Yeah, mine does. Okay. <laughs> I buy I buy sliced uh, turkey. You think it lasts three weeks? Yeah. Okay. It's fine. Oh okay, yeah, it's not. It's fine. It's not okay. Well, I put it in the pla- plastic bags. It's still not baggies. okay. It's still well, not okay. I, and I love Woodman's because you have such huge selection, and they got the biggest carts. Your sliced turkey, you eat it three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's just not. Yep. That's not okay. I mean, I get tomoin poisoning from you it. That's but... a little gastric distress, but you're fine. <laughs> but I don't mind it. Okay. Good. <laughs> All Perfect. right. Uh, Let's um, I do a little Cat's Pride. Guess that song. Okay. They sponsor this wonderful segment. We are still in the disco era for right. you, although you're not doing real well. Disco, <laughs> disco duck. Right. Um, we are got a couple of songs coming up. We will be giving away a desktop indoor weather station, which is a fantastic gift. Call now. We're looking for caller number 6312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Guess that song. We have a caller on the line. We've got Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Hi, hi. The both of you. Happy New Year. Happy. Love and prosperity. You oh, too. Happy New Year. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you. It's great to hear from you. We're glad you called in. And we're going to do a little disco. How are you with the disco era? Yes. Terrific. We've All got right. our first song here. It's from 1979. Let's hear it. Just let me stay for the record. Oh, Ooh, Carl's man. dancing. Do you I know that, it. Georgia? Oh, uh, Sister Yes. Wow, she got it? It is Sister Sledge, and the name of the song is... Oh, that's the part I can That's all right. You're halfway there. Carl, you know it. Uh, <laughs> oh, Carl, don't oh, disappoint oh, me. Oh, I don't know. Oh, let's, let's play, it. play it. Just let me stay for the record. We're giving love and a family dog. We are family. Oh. Could all see Carl dancing in the studio. This is you are absolutely right. I look Georgia. a little bit like Elaine when I'm Sister dancing, Sled- right? <laughs> Elaine from Seinfeld, right? Yes, indeed. Um, Georgia, you've got it right. Is Sister Sledge? We are family from 1979. The group recorded this in one take. Wow. Kathy Sledge, who sang lead, did not know the lyrics ahead of time, and Rogers and Edwards gave her each line through her headphones as it came up to make no it sound spontaneous. Way. Come on. Yep. That's, wow. well, what that's, do you think of that, George? That's pretty yeah, cool. Yes, right? <laughs> I'll say that's for <laughs> that's sure. That's for sure. All right. All right. Good job. We've got one more. I, I feel good about it, you guys. Let's see what we can do with song number two. There ain't no telling who you might be. That's all you get. Uh, oh, come movie on. Star. Just, Wait, do, let, do, no, do no, no, no. Let Georgia have a chance right. first. Georgia, do you know? Car wash. Yes, she's got oh, it. Oh, man. Wash. Let's hear it. There ain't no telling who Good job. Be. She knows her stuff, boy. Half the car wash. 
So Car Wash was a theme of the 1976 motion picture Car Wash. Yeah. Which was... Kurt Russell. Rose Royce's most successful single. And, of course, this is Rose Royce Car Wash 1976. You are awesome, Georgia. Wow. And you have won a fantastic prize. It is the Desktop Indoor Weather Station, brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. They are the 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. They have a wonderful weather station. I have mine sitting on my desk. You're going to love it. Oh, thank you so much. I listen every week. Oh, oh, Georgia. You love Sunday, but it's better this way. That's you right. Up all night and listen. And, and Georgia, and Georgia, you know what? You are always on my You're mind. You're always on my mind. <laughs> I can read your mind. Georgia, it's great to hear from you. Thank you so much for staying up late and listening. Thank to you. Us. You both are All right. in good hands. God bless care. you, hon. She's awesome. All right. She, she got is. them both. She sure did. She knows her disco. Oh, oh man. You know, you Georgia. told me to do disco, and now you, you disappointed me. What would you like for next week? Well, a different why era? Should I, why should I be any different? You know, this is there week. a different every era? week I disappoint you, I don't know, I? It's true. Is there a different era that no, you'd like to go to? No, this is it. I love it. All right. This is this well, is the only era for me. Good Disco. Luck. All right. Love it. Way to go. All right. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. That's our text in line. We'll be here till three o'clock in the morning, playing all your favorite classic radio shows. Hey, don't forget, folks. Five shows are waiting for you at our website, one hundred radioshowscom There's five. 30-minute classic radio shows. All the commercials are in there. They're unedited. They sound amazing, digitally remastered. And this is our way of saying thank you for listening to our radio show. When you go to 100radioshows.com, you can just put your email in there, and it'll send you within seconds. You will get five classic radio shows sent to your email. You can listen to them on any of your listening devices. The links will never expire. There are five shows that we want to thank you for listening to the show. And when you are there... If you want to uh, peruse all of the other shows available for purchase, you can use a promo code because you're a listener of this show. We are uh, extending a 70, 70% off the regular price promo code of radio. So when you're, if you're going to purchase any of them, make sure you use the promo code at checkout radio and you'll see the price drop by 70%. For these classic radio shows. And there's 700 shows there. Best kept secret, code radio. (laughs) Radio is the promo code at 100radioshows.com. But you don't have to buy anything. There's five shows there for you, absolutely free, no strings attached, just as our way of saying thank you for listening to our radio show. All right. It is time for Van Johnson, who played the minstrel from the Batman television series. He was... Uh, a villain on the show, and this is called The Devil and Miss Jones. It's a comedy from August 12th, 1946, and uh, Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater was uh, another one of those radio shows where they took movies and adapted them for radio airplay, like the Lux Radio Theater. It was a half-hour series. It debuted in 1939, lasted all the way to 1952, a long-running show. It had many different titles throughout its run. Like um, It was always whatever the sponsor was. So for a while, it was the Gulf Screen Guild Theater, sponsored by Gulf Oil, Lady Esther, 
by Lady Esther Cosmetics, Screen Guild Theater, Camel Screen Guild Players. Guess what that was? <laughs> Camel Cigarettes. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the great thing about this series, though, Lisa, the fees that would normally be paid to the stars would be donated to the Motion Picture Relief Fund to help support the creation and maintenance of the Motion Picture Country Home for retired actors. And, you know, some of these actors back then, they, you know, maybe didn't invest their money right or whatever, and they needed somewhere to live. Well, they lived in this home, and everything was paid for them. And so these actors on this show... Gave up all of their fee. They did this gratis so that it would be donated to, to the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Over the course of the series run, Lisa, millions of dollars, millions of dollars was raised for the cause. Now, you're talking millions of dollars back, back then. then yeah. It's huge, huge money. So this this show really was not only entertaining, but it served a, uh, a tremendous purpose. And on this show, you will hear Van Johnson along with Donna Reed. Truman Bradley does the announcing. Let's go back to August 12th, 1946 for The Devil and Miss Jones. Uninterrupted now on the Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. Lady Esther Screen Guild play tonight, The Devil and Miss Jones. The starring players... This is Van Johnson. This is Donna Reed. This is Guy Kebby. Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in that delightful RKO story about the richest man in the world, the devil and Miss Jones. Guy Kibbe plays the rich man, J.P. Merrick. Donna Reed plays Miss Jones. And Van Johnson plays her boyfriend, Joe O'Brien. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in The Devil and Miss Jones. As the richest man in the world, J.P. Merrick had almost forgotten he owned the Neely department store until the day the store's unhappy employees hung him in effigy. The next day, the store had a new employee. The personnel manager's confidential files described the new employee as Thomas Higgins, a private detective hired by the Merrick Enterprises. But when Higgins reached his home after his first day in the store, his butler greeted him with... Uh, Good evening, Mr. Merrick. Good evening, George. Did anyone at the store suspect who you are, Mr. Merrick? No one. The personnel manager thinks I'm a detective. And the rest of the employees regard me as an old pauper. Can you imagine that, George? Me, a pauper? Well, congratulations, sir. Boy or girl. <laughs> You've been listening to Abbott and Costello again. Where was I? Uh, you just become a pauper, sir. Oh, yes. In fact, one of my new associates, a Miss Mary Jones, was so certain I was impoverished that she forced me to share her lunch. 
We had tuna fish popovers. Tuna fish popovers? Yes, tuna fish popovers. And if I'm not sick tonight or tomorrow at the latest, my fancy Dr. Schindler from Vienna will wish he was back in Vienna. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, did you uh, did you make any progress in uncovering the miscreant, sir? Well, I learned who hung that dummy of me outside the store. Well, that's wonderful, sir. Who was it? A youngster named Joe O'Brien. He was discharged and barred from the store a week ago. But he has accomplices who are still working there. Uh, do you know who they are, sir? Mm, some of them. Miss Jones, a girl who shared her lunch with me, is the most active. I hope you had a discharge today, sir. Well, I didn't. There's nothing vicious about Miss Jones. She just lets her heart run away with her head. Unfortunately, she's in love with Joe O'Brien. Perhaps you could persuade her to forget him, sir. Uh, perhaps. At any rate, I'll try when we go to Coney Island tomorrow. You're going to Coney Island, sir? Mm-hmm. By getting friendly with him, I learn the names of every malcontent in the store. Besides, I haven't stood up in a roller coaster for years. Yes, sir. Should I lay out your bathing suit, sir? No, no, no. It's a little shabby. The last time I wore it, I noticed that it had a hole in the knee. <laughs> Do you have the key to the bathhouse locker, Mr. O'Brien? Yeah, and for the fifth time, Pop, will you stop calling me Mr. O'Brien? My name's Joe. I'll call you Joe if you'll stop calling me Pop. My name is, uh, Higgins. Thomas Higgins. Okay, Pop. Ready to go for a swim? No, thank you. I think I'll go over and talk with Miss Jones. I'll walk over with you. Hey, Mary. Yes, Joe? I'm going for a swim. Well, remember, nobody's going to be watching you, so don't show off and swim way out. Okay, baby. Save me something to eat. Be careful. Don't worry, Miss Jones. Nothing will happen to Joe. He's a pretty good swimmer. <laughs> He's pretty good at everything. You couldn't be... Um... <laughs> you couldn't be prejudiced. Maybe. Isn't it possible you're reading virtues into him that don't exist? Don't you like Joe? Well, that depends upon how much you're in love with him. I don't think you're any judge. Who's a better one? Any outsider. Me, for instance. Look, there's a couple over there. He's biting her ear. Now she's biting his ear. They think they were made for each other. <laughs> I think they were, too. Do you think that she, if she hadn't met him, there wouldn't be someone else biting her ear now? Do you think he wouldn't be at some other girl's ear? Probably ten feet away? Maybe, but it doesn't prove anything. Scientists can write all the books they like about love being a trap of nature, but all the scientists are going to convince our other scientists... Not women in love. Oh, I don't say Joe's the greatest thing that ever lived. And I'm certainly not the greatest girl in the world. It's just, well, two people look at each other and they see something way deep inside that no one else can. And that's it. If they feel it, they feel it. Do you? Well, not in the way I see in movies or, or hear in songs. You know, the touch of your hand, you set me on fire. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not the combustible type. But yet, if I knew I'd never see Joe again... Yes? Well, I've never even thought of what it would be like not to see him anymore. But if I thought I'd never see Joe again, I don't think I'd care if I lived or died. I see. But what about Joe's, uh, radicalism? Joe isn't radical, Mr. Higgins. Not radical? Well, what do you call his hanging that dummy of me, uh, of J.P. Merrick? Uh... He was just trying to draw attention to the way the employees were treated at the store. Why, J.P. Merrick probably doesn't even remember that he owns Neely's department store. He's the richest man in the world, you know. Really? Oh, you ought to see his house sometime. Have you been to his house? Oh, no. Joe's walked me past there. We thought we'd talk with Mr. Merrick, but somehow we always lost our nerve. Everybody says he's such a devil. 
I see. Well, I think I'll go for a walk until it's time to eat. Maybe I can think up a way for us to get in to see Mr. Mary. Don't you think you'd better get out of that bathing suit and into your clothes before you go wandering around? Mm, there's plenty of time. Anyway, Joe has the key to our clothes locker. Well, don't wander away and get lost in the crowd. <laughs> Sergeant, this man claims he was lost. Well, I am. Said he couldn't find his bathhouse, was trying to sell his valuable watch for a dollar so he could call his chauffeur. <laughs> I thought that was suspicious, so I picked him up. Suspicious enough for me. I would advise you two simple guardians of law and order for the sake of your own future and security to be very careful of any decision you make concerning me. Will you say that again? Tom, Tom Higgins, we've been looking everywhere for you. Joe's gone to the hospital. What happened to you? I got lost. Finding him, officer. It's all right, miss. You can call your chauffeur on this phone, pop. Chauffeur? What chauffeur? Yes, uh, what chauffeur? The chauffeur you were trying to raise money to call. I don't know what you're talking about. Let me smell your breath. I never touch a drop. Oh, a cork sniffer. <laughs> you must be mistaking him for someone else. He's very poor. Say, what do you two do for a living? We work, of course. Where? Don't mention the store, Tom. We'd get fired. Where do you work? Why, well, uh, we work at the automat. What do you do? I'm in charge of the blueberry pies. I, I put them in the little boxes. What do you do, young woman? I help him. I snap the boxes shut. Say, can, uh, my feet hurt. Can't we be seated while we continue this? Yes, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Sergeant. How would you like it if someone treated your father like this? Is he your father? Yes. Girly, I catch you two in more lies. If he's your father, why'd you call him Tom when you come in? Well, I, I always call him Tom. Come here. I'm going to ask you a question and you whisper the answer. Or I'll throw you both in jail. Where were you born? Whisper. 125th Street. Okay. If this woman's your daughter, Pop, tell me, what street was she born on? 72nd Street. Well, for such close relations, your stories are a long distance apart. Your daughter says she was born on 125th Street, and you, her father, claims she was born on 72nd Street. Uh, well, uh, we were living on 72nd Street, uh, but she was actually born on 125th Street. And why was she born on 125th Street? There's no hospital there. I didn't say there was. Uh, her, her mother was standing in line at the butcher shop. <laughs> Hey, what are you trying to give me? There was no meat shortage 21 years ago. Oh, oh, uh, well, her mother was ahead of her time. <laughs> that does it. You're the two who've been selling hot goods around here, all right. Hey, Mary. Joe. I'm warning you, girlie, anything you say may be used against you. What's happened? Oh, you go on home, Joe. Tom and I will meet you there later. Quiet, you. Hey, how about using a more civil tone, officer? Who, me? Yes, you. Have they charged you with any crime, Tom? No. Then you don't have to stay here. Go on out. You stay right here. You've no right to keep anyone here without a charge preferred against them. Well, I can fix that. I doubt if you've got the brains enough to think one up. Well, we'll... We'll hold him for violating the city ordinance forbidding wearing a bathing suit on the boardwalk. How do you like that for a charge? If that's a charge, I'm Van Johnson. <laughs> Joe, keep quiet. Don't worry, Mr. Higgins. He can't shut me up with threats. Oh, no? Officer, 
Did this man come along peacefully, or did he pull back? He made quite a protest, sir. He did? Okay. Resisting an officer. Would you like to see another charge, Sonny? I'd like it fine. You'd like it fine? Trespassing. <laughs> Suits me. Soliciting fun. Keep on. Handling without a license. Oh, you're not frightening me. Well, stop. He's frightening me. <laughs> and we'll throw in a little case of vagrancy. How does that suit you? Just dandy. Uh, uh, vagrant? Me? I haven't started on you yet. Joe, what do you think you're accomplishing? I'm giving him enough rope to hang himself. You're giving me enough rope. Joe, are you an idiot? You're you're talking me into jail for the rest of your life. Who do you think this man is? A servant of the people, that's all. And a darn poor one. He works for me. I don't work for him. Well, how do you like that? Let him put me in jail. He's not putting you in jail. It's me, you fool. Well, let him put us both in jail. I'll holler my head off. This is a free country. Hey, are you crazy? Who isn't? This just happens to be my own kind of patriotism. And you can't scare me with your small-time Gestapo. I don't care how small the right is you try to take away. I'll fight for it. The Boston Tea Party was started over one penny. This is big enough for me. Now, go ahead. Put me in jail. Don't you tell me what to do. I'm running this place. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility... Huh? Well, don't look so startled, Sergeant. In case you didn't recognize it, that's the beginning of our Constitution. I'll recite it for you. Where was I? Oh, yes, sir. Ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and secure the blessings... That's of the way Joe is, Tom. If he's right, he won't give in to anybody. He's wonderful, isn't he? He isn't very practical. No, he isn't. Maybe I'll have a few words... But he's wonderful. ...general idea. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary... Sergeant, I don't like this. Me either. When they start reciting the Constitution, look out. Oh, what can one fellow like him do? It's not him. It gets in the papers. Those civil liberty fellows send a big lawyer down to what happens in court. Looks like a murder trial. For a little thing like that? The way they mix it up, it winds up Abraham Lincoln's trial. Lincoln? Yeah, the last trial took two weeks. Two weeks? My vacation starts Wednesday. You'll spend it listening to Abraham Lincoln. In a nice hot courtroom. The wife had skinned me alive. Hey, you, quiet! I'm going to suspend charges on all of you. Now get out of here. Oh, no, you're not getting off that easy. I'm not getting off. We don't want any suspended charges hanging over our heads. We want the charges dropped. And we want an apology. All right, all right. They're dropped, and I apologize. Now get out. Thank you. And as for you, officer... Who, me? Yes, you. The next time you bring in a thing like that, I'll throw you right in the ocean. But, Sergeant, you know I can't swim. That's what I mean. As far as I'm concerned, you sink. Just a minute, Sergeant. You can't talk to an officer of the law in that manner. Oh, I can't, can I? Get out of here, you busybody. I won't move a step until you apologize to that officer. Well, then make arrangements to have your meals brought in, because I'll never apologize to him. Oh, you won't? No! All right, you ask for it. We, the people of the United States, and all of Stop the it! Stop it! Union. I give up. Officer, I apologize. No, that's better. Come on, Mary. I'll take Tom and get him dressed. It's time we start at home. It sounds as though you had quite an exciting day at Coney Island, Mr. Merrick. Yes, George. That fool sergeant almost exposed me when he offered me the phone to call the chauffeur. Uh, But the others, Miss Jones and O'Brien, didn't catch on? No, they were too excited about my being arrested. 
In fact, Joel Bryan didn't even notice when he dropped this paper. Well, what is it, sir? An important paper? Very important, George. It's a list of 400 names. The names of all the employees who participated in hanging that dummy of me outside the store. Second act of the Lady Astor Screen Guild play will follow in a moment. And now, Lady Astor presents the second act of The Devil and Miss Jones, starring Van Johnson, Donna Reed, and Guy Kibbe. While J.P. Merrick is telling his butler about coming into possession of the list of 400 employees who participated in hanging him in effigy, in another section of town, Mary Jones and Joe O'Brien are having a serious discussion. Now that that Neely department store has blacklisted me, Mary, I, I can't get a job in New York. So I don't think I'd better see you anymore for a while. What do you mean? I can't take up your time anymore. Is that what you call our relationship, Joe? Taking up my time? I haven't any right to take up your time when I can't get a job. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You might ask my opinion about that, Joe. What are your plans? Do you want to go out of town? I'll go with you. That's not such a terrible thing to ask me. Oh, Mary. If you want me with you, I'd like to go. I'd like to marry you, even the way things are. I'm not afraid. How long do you think you'd be in love with me living off your salary? That's nothing to be ashamed of, Joe, if you can't help it. Not to you, but it is to me. You gave me a $5 wallet for my birthday and left the sales slip in so I could exchange it for the money. The next step will be giving me the money a quarter at a time. I can't be in love under those conditions. Then you're nothing but a coward, Joe, for all your bravery in police stations. You can't even face life. Afraid to get married because you might not be able to get a job? It's not me I'm worried about. I'm not going to be locked in a hall bedroom watching you iron my shirts, and nobody's going to make me. Nobody's going to make you do anything except go home. Go on, unless you're afraid of the dark. Hello? Mary? Yes? Where can I find Joe O'Brien? Oh, he's right here. Just a second. It's for you, Joe. Hello? This is Sam Johnson, Joe. Joe, we're in real trouble. What do you mean? Who's in what trouble? All of us. Thomas Higgins isn't what we think he is. He's a detective working for J.P. Merrick. What? How do you know? Well, I was going through the personnel files tonight, and I saw the notation on his card. He's been to the meetings. He'll have us all fired. Well, he has to have some proof. He can't just acute... Oh, my gosh. What's wrong, Joe? I just remembered. This afternoon, I dropped the list of names of everyone connected with our organization. And Thomas Higgins picked it up. What are we going to do? You sit tight. I'll come down to the store tomorrow and get that list away from Higgins if I have to knock him over the head. But you can't even get in the store, Joe. Every doorman there has orders to throw you out. Don't worry about me. I'll get in there if I have to disguise myself as Santa Claus and climb down the chimney. <laughs> Miss Jones. Good morning, Mr. Higgins. That was quite an outing we had yesterday, wasn't it? I'm glad you liked it. I learned a lot of things about your Joe O'Brien that I had never suspected. Joe learned a lot of things about Thomas Higgins that none of us suspected. Huh? What do you mean? I'll let Joe tell you. Are you Thomas Higgins? Um, yes. Uh, You're wanted in general office. Uh, you too, Miss Jones. Uh, what does the general manager want to see me about? To fire you. 
Fire me for what? Henry Porter, that you're a friend of Joe O'Brien's and Miss Jones. And he's going to fire me for that? Oh, you have nothing to worry about, Mr. Higgins. You can always save your own skin by turning in that list of names Joe dropped. What? You heard me, you... you Benedict Arnold in sheep's clothing. Oh, is that so? I'll show you who's a Benedict Arnold in sheep's clothing. I'll show that general manager something, too. So you were going to show me something, were you? You rambunctious old billy goat. Why, I'll have you blacklisted and starved to death. Are you the general manager of this store? I am. Well, I don't know how you ever got the job. It happened that I was the cream of department store managers. Well, don't forget, yesterday's cream is tomorrow's cheese. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, you will, you sourpuss. Sourpuss. I've seen happier faces on iodine bottles. And why take out your ingrown disposition on these employees? Can't you understand that dealing with them the way you have has brought on this civil war around here? That's why they're your enemies. Enemies? I haven't an enemy in the store. Then all your friends hate you. <laughs> I've worked with these people. They've got rights. And just what would you suggest? Well, I suggest that you get a different job if you can't get the confidence of your employees, you bumble-witted idiot. <laughs> Say, Pop, you're all right. Don't worry about anything, Joe. I can handle this nincompoop. Why, I'd like nothing better than to get the confidence of my employees. That goes right in one nostril and out the other. <laughs> well, who can I talk to? Who represents enough of these people to mean anything? Would you consider 400 employees enough, Mr. Allison? Why, yes, I would. Well, there's our representative, Joe O'Brien. Oh, but how do I know he represents 400 employees? Where are the 400 names? There's the catch, Mary. He wants the list of names. Without the names, I can do nothing. This isn't a trick, is it? Don't be foolish, Mary. Don't trust him. If there's a right way, Joe, this is it. We're not being fair and asking for trust on only one side. I'm against giving him the names. He works for J.P. Merrick. That doesn't prove anything, Joe. Yes, it does, Pop. He has to be crooked or he wouldn't be working for that crook. Just a minute, young man. Who said J.P. Merrick was a crook? Who didn't? Will you keep quiet? I can't hear myself think. Well, you aren't missing a single thing. <laughs> Mr. Higgins, have you the list you picked up when Joe dropped it last night? Yes, I have. Give it to Mr. Allison, please. All right. Allison, it's going to be terrible if you fool these two young people. Give it to him, Tom. Very well. It's yours, Mr. Allison. Thanks. Now, you superannuated old jerk. How dare you come into my office and talk to me like you did? I can outwit morons like you every day in the week and twice on Sundays. That's why I'm sitting behind this desk and you're standing in front of it. I'm going to see that every name on this list is... Hey, Miss Jones, give me that Tom, list. Tom, Ms. take Jones, out this list and eat it. Throw it up, throw it up. What? Just because he called me a billy goat doesn't mean that... Don't I... argue. Hurry and eat your half before he gets some of these store detectives in here and takes it away from us. Hurry. Chambers, Allen. Yes, Mr. Allen. Come in here, quick. Now get that paper away from these two. I'm too late. I swallowed it. Now, you simpleton, I'll show you who, who can outwit who... Who are you going to fire now? Boy, boy, you... You tell me the name of everyone on that list, or I'll fire the whole fifth floor for a starter. Well, that's not fair. Many people on the fifth floor have nothing to do with this. Tell me every name, or out they all go. Every one of them. Chambers, discharge slips for everyone on the fifth floor. You can't do that to us. Oh, can't I? Just wait until you get your slip and see. All right, you do, and we'll take our case to J.P. Merrick himself. <laughs> You will, will you? 
Why, you old idiot. J.P. Merrick would have you thrown out of his house before you could open your mouth. I don't think so. Well, I'm telling you. Just how well do you know Mr. Merrick? He's a very close friend of mine. Hmm. That's very interesting. What did you say your name was, Allison? I'll make a point of asking Mr. Merrick just how well he knows you. I wouldn't do anything rash if I were you, Higgins. I don't intend to. You ought to drop your idea of seeing Mr. Merrick. Oh, it wasn't my idea. Joe Bryan and Miss Jones had the idea long ago, but they didn't follow through. Mm, That was very fortunate. Yes, very fortunate for you and the rest of the petty dictators around here. This time, they're going to see J.P. And just what will that accomplish? Well, of course, I'm not positive, but if I were you, I'd start reading the help wanted. Mail. Then am I to understand, Mr. Merrick, that Miss Jones and Mr. O'Brien still think you are Thomas Higgins? (laughs) That's right, George. When I left them in the hallway, I told them I was going to find Mr. Merrick and see if he would talk with them. Uh, Yes, sir. Well, open the door and tell him he'll talk. Uh, Very well, sir. Uh, Mr. Merrick will see you now. Thanks. Gosh, Tom, you must know Merrick pretty well to bust right in like this. I probably know him better than anyone else in the world. Has he talked with the general manager yet? Yes. Oh, well, I don't suppose he'll pay any attention to what we have to say, then. Well, that's not very fair, Mary. If he'll take the time to see us, he'll at least listen to what we have to say. He's probably seeing us just because he's a friend of Mr. Higgins. As a matter of fact, he's very fond of both of you. Huh? What does he know about us? Well, as a private detective, I've learned a great deal about you both. And as a private detective, I recommended that Joe be made head of employee relations for all Merrick Enterprises. What? Yes. And as J.P. Merrick, I'm ready to accept my recommendation. As who? J.P. Merrick. J.P. Merrick? You? J.P. Merrick? The devil himself. What do you say, Joe? Will you take the job? He certainly will, Mr. Merrick. Now he has no excuse for not marrying me. Well, Joe? What can I do? I'm between the devil and Miss Jones. Thank you. Thank you, Van Johnson, Guy Kibbe, and Donna Reed for a delightful half hour. It's been lots of fun, Mr. Bradley. And our appearance here with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players is always doubly pleasurable because we all know the wonderful work being done by the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house, a work which derives its support largely from these radio programs. And now, before we tell you about next week's show, here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Reed. Ladies, if you were to ask a leading skin specialist, is rubbing good or bad for the skin of my face, what do you think he'd tell you? Perhaps you haven't time to do that, but I did. Not one, but many of the country's outstanding skin specialists. They tell me, and I agree with them, rubbing can make the skin of your face look older instead of younger. And this is why, because the skin of your face is the finest, most delicate skin of your body. Rubbing can stretch it make it loose and slack, can start the wrinkles that make you look older. Is your own skin as young-looking as you'd like? Try a cream that needs no help from your fingers. Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream is so soft, it dissolves as it touches your skin. It needs no rubbing. 
Also, it contains one of the most beautifying ingredients known to modern science. This helps keep your skin soft, helps prevent tiny lines and wrinkles. Simply smooth on Lady Esther face cream, then wipe it off. You'll be astonished to see and feel the difference in your own skin after even one application of Lady Esther four-purpose face cream, the cream that asks no help from any other cream. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present Hired Wife. It will star Lucille Ball and Brian Ahern. The Devil and Miss Jones was produced and directed by Bill Lawrence and was presented through the courtesy of RKO Radio Pictures, producers of Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious, starring Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. Van Johnson will soon be seen in the Metro-Golden-Mayer musical No Leave, No Love. Donna Reed appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer, producers of the color musical Holiday in Mexico. Guy Kibbe will appear in the forthcoming Metro-Golden-Mayer picture, Romance of Rosie Ridge. You save enough on the largest size jar of Lady Esther face cream to buy a box of Lady Esther face powder. So remember, ask for the largest size. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you. And good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. You hear all those those girls screaming? They yeah. were screaming for Van Johnson. Van Johnson was like a matinee idol. He was big time. I mean, he was like, you know, Frank Sinatra when Frank Sinatra with the Bobby Soxers and all that. Van Johnson played the role of the minstrel. He was a villain on the Batman television series. That's why we played this episode. The Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater from August 12, 1946. The Devil and Miss Jones. Good comedy. Um, Others in that cast, Donna Reed, Guy Kibbe. I believe... Howard Duff was in that show, too. It sounded, there was a supporting role, and it sounded just like Howard Duff. Although although uh, Howard Duff and um, uh, Elliot Lewis sounded a lot alike, but I think that was Howard Duff, 1946 broadcast. So it was kind of, he was just getting his start in radio. Right around this time, he got cast as um, Sam Spade. And then Wilbur Hatch doing the arranging and conducting. And whenever he would drink something... You know what they would all, you know what he would say to himself? Down the hatch. <laughs> yeah, that's what he would always say. Got it. <laughs> pretty quick. You are good, Lisa. You're stealing my jokes though. Uh, all right, so that was sponsored by Lady Esther as heard on Face CBS. Cream. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, and don't forget, folks, join the Classic Radio Club if you haven't joined the club. I think you'll love being a member of the Classic Radio Club. You'll get 10 shows sent to you each and every month, either via digital download or on five CDs, and you'll get the greatest collect- the greatest shows, 10 shows every single month. I choose these shows, handpick them out of my library of 100,000 shows. 
I write about the programs, and you get all these liner notes in PDF form, or you get them printed and sent to you with the CDs. And it's a lot of fun. And if you are not a Classic Radio Club member and you love Classic Radio like we do, check it out. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. And the first month, it's only a dollar. You can join for a dollar and just see what it's like at your 10 shows. And if you want to cancel at any time, just cancel. It's not one of those things where, oh, I joined this club and now I got to be in this club forever. It's not like that. If you want to cancel, just cancel. We would love you to be a member. ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes. But first, these words. See, there's something you can do, Lisa. You can do radio jingles. I could. Why don't you I start could, a jingle company? I could write them and I could sing them. Yeah, she, I'm like you, a one-stop shop. And you shop. could play the piano too, because yes, you play I can. the. Lisa plays the piano. Like I could a play those concert piano. I could play those notes on the piano right now. Right. And you could do the, you know, WGN. Well, I could do better than that. Well, I can't <laughs> sing, so I'm just I, saying. If I could, could do a, it? Like, you know, uh, Two and a Half Men. That's what he did on the show. I don't watch that, but I have. You never watched No, I have watched it. I just, I'm That's what a, he, he, he lives in a house in Malibu on the water because he was a jingle guy. Well, he used to do jingles for commercials and stuff. I think you could do those. I think I could, but they didn't ask it's me to another, do it. If they asked me to do it, I would have done no, it. No, you should start a company. Lisa's I'm going to have jingle to company. call the next star guys and tell them Lisa's, next time Lisa's they need a new jingle, jingle. Lisa's Jingle Unlimited. Jingle Bells. <laughs> Lisa's Jingle Bells. <laughs> Lisa Jingle Unlimited. Okay, what well. What do you think of that? I'm not crazy about the name, but but I'm good at it. Wait, you don't like that name? Jingle Unlimited? Lisa's Jingles Unlimited. I don't like the Lisa. Sounds in like there. you walk around and you jingle. Um, Like a jig? Yeah, you're jingling. I could jingle. I think you Ask can. Ask me to jingle. jingle. I'll jingle. All right. Well, uh, you can. You're okay. good. You're a good jingler. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Carl. don't forget, folks. Uh, come to our cruise with us. Yeah. yeah. August first, we'll be on a cruise from New York to Bermuda and back. But it's seven yes, nights. Yes, we're definitely coming back. <laughs> we are, and we're going to have like eighty-five degree weather. It's going to be awesome. Whole bunch of our listeners are going with us, and it is going to be so much fun. The food is going to be amazing. Carl has promised to bring two speedos. I have two or three speedos, and I've got. I'm going to try to lose about I've fifteen got, pounds before then. Oh, good luck! I've got a beautiful white floppy hat that yep. was given to me by one of our listeners. Right, that is coming on the cruise for Bermuda. Yeah, Luann, and, and so she's going to be on the cruise, and she gave me that gift for my birthday. So what a beautiful gift! Wow. And ready to go. Right. She didn't give me a Speedo, though. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. It is uh, Keen Luxury Travel is our exclusive travel agent for this cruise. They have an amazing rate. You will not believe how great this rate is. You should uh, go to our website, WGNRadioTheater.com. Scroll down, and you will see the banner that is great. The banner is fantastic. They put that banner together for us as well. Click it, and it has all of the information. It is August 1st for seven nights, and we are going to have a blast, and we're going to get to know our listeners better, and our listeners are going to get to know us better. We're going to have you know, dinner and lunches and swimming by the pool and going to the spa and going to the casino. 
It is going to be a blast. We'll have cocktail parties. And Lisa will bring her Roma wines. I'll bring my Roma wines and my Cabana boy. (laughs) So anyways. What's um, the toll-free number? uh, Yeah, Keen Luxury Travel. Give them a call, 800-856-1155. Yeah, come to the cruise with us. It's August 1st. We're going to Bermuda. It's going to be a lot of fun. In our next hour, Burns and Allen with special guest Cesar Romero. Don't miss it. Okay, hour five of the WGN Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. Lisa Wolf right here. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. All right. Well, uh, what a great time it was talking with Burt Ward earlier, and uh, what a great time it has been listening to these great classic radio shows with villains yes. from the 1966 through 1968 Batman television show. And in this hour... Probably the most famous villain. Well, I would say between the Joker and Penguin. Those were probably the two most popular villains, wouldn't you say, on Batman? Yeah, I mean, I watched it along alongside with you. I can't yeah. believe it was only on for those those two years. And we didn't even know each other back I'm, then. I'm kind of glad about that. Well, it was on like three seasons. So three it seasons, was on three yeah. seasons. And uh, it was a lot of episodes. And they run them in uh, syndication yeah. like crazy. My son and I used to watch them together all the time. And, of course, I got to be good friends with Adam West over the years. Uh, but this was the first time I had a chance to uh, ever talk with Bert warts it was really really cool in this hour we have a burns and allen radio show from 1949 and uh george burns and gracie allen's special guest is caesar romero who of course played the joker on the 1966 through 68 batman tv series so that's coming up in this hour want to remind all of our listeners once again about our brand new website 100radioshows.com. If you go there, as our gift to you, we have five classic radio shows waiting for you there. You can digitally download them absolutely free. They're yours, uh, no strings attached. Just go there. You have to put your email in, and we'll send them to you instantly. And these are complete shows uninterrupted. They are the full 30-minute shows with all the original commercials digitally remastered by the great Mike Costello. And uh, you're going to love them. And as soon as the site went up, I think I may have been the first person to put my name and email there. And I instantly received my five free downloads. It works flawlessly. I thought I'd just check it out. You will get five (laughs) classic radio shows as our gift to you for listening to our radio show. And here is an additional bonus. There are seven collections there. Each collection has 100 digitally remastered classic radio shows, and they're all under different genres. There's the genre of old-time radio's greatest shows, which is the best of the best. Then you have a Christmas collection. You have a comedy collection, a drama, a detective collection, a mystery collection, and a Western collection. Seven different collections. Each collection, 50 hours of material, 100 radio shows. And if you use the promo code RADIO at checkout when you're purchasing these collections, you will save, as a listener to the show, 70% off. So use the promo code RADIO at checkout, save 70% on any of these collections, but... 
First and foremost, go to the website, get your free five classic radio shows as our gift to you for listening to the show. Go to 100radioshows.com. Right, Lisa? Yeah, it's a great deal. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to listen to Burns and Allen with special guest Cesar Romero. For news at 10, watch WGN, Micah Mater, Joe Donlin, Dan Roan, and Chicago's most trusted meteorologist, Tom Skilling. For TV News at 10. Watch Chicago's very own WGN. All right, Lisa, are you ready for Burns and Allen? I, I love I love George Burns and Gracie Allen. And this is a really special night, so I, yeah. I'm really happy with the way this is working with the villains and having the opportunity to talk about Batman and Robin. Absolutely. And Burns and Allen was one of the, uh, the best comedy shows of the golden age of radio and TV. They, of course, were a comedy duo. They started in vaudeville. They were heard on the BBC for a while, in fact. And then... They appeared on the Eddie Cantor show. They were like guests on the Eddie Cantor show. And then Eddie Cantor said, oh, you guys were great. Stay over for the next week and the next week. And then they did the same thing on Guy Lombardo's radio show, right? They were guests on the Guy Lombardo show. But then what happened was they were so popular that they sort of took over for the shows when they went on uh, summer uh, or winter hiatus. So they got their own show way back in 1932. Think about this. Radio was in its infancy, mm-hmm. right? 1932. And they lasted all the way to 1950, 18 years on radio. And then, of course, they moved to television and were an even bigger success on television. They did movies together. Of course, Gracie passed away, and then George continued with his career. He was in the Oh God movie. Mm -hmm. He was in the Sunshine Boys. He won an Academy Award. And then I got to be very good friends with George Burns over the years. It really was like the last four or five years of his life. He lived to be 100. Yeah, And I licensed the Burns and Allen show from him, and he used to take me to the Beverly Wilshire Country Club, and we would have lunches and dinners together and things, and we'd talk about the good old days of radio and TV. I carry a picture of George Burns with me, me and him together, in my wallet, wherever I go. And uh, he was great. He was just an awesome guy. He helped me in the business. He introduced me to other people, other licensees, who then licensed me their radio shows as well. So I owe a, a, a big uh, debt to George Burns. And so every time I hear one of these shows, it it, it harkens back memories for me of of hanging out with George Burns. So we have a January 20th, 1949 episode. Now, this was uh, sponsored by Maxwell House Coffee. That was their big sponsor back then. So they call the show the Maxwell House Coffee Time. Um, You will hear George Burns, Gracie Allen, and their special guest, Cesar Romero, who played the Joker on the Batman television series. Here's Burns and Allen. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George. Sure, pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. That drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House coffee time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With our special guest tonight, Cesar Romero, yours truly, Toby Reed, Barbara Eiler, Harry Lubin, the Maxwell House Orchestra, and Bill Goodwin. For America's Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for America's everyday coffee-drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. 
The coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand at any price. Yes, Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. Well, breakfast is over in the Burns home, and attention is now focused on the morning newspaper. George is trying to concentrate on the sports section, while Gracie reads aloud from her favorite department, the movie gossip column. Listen to this, George. This column says that Betty Grable has put on a lot of weight, but it doesn't say where. It doesn't say where? No, it just says that in her new picture, she has a very fat part. <laughs> That means she has a big role. Around the middle, huh? <laughs> yes, she's on a diet. Uh, now let me read, please. Oh, here's another interesting item. MGM has got a loan out Walter Pigeon and Clark Gable. <gasps> Gee, I wish I belonged to that lending library. <laughs> I'll try to arrange it. Uh, now let me read about the golf tournament. Mm -hmm. Oh, this next item must be wrong. This is murder. It says that uh, Jane Wyman may get an award for her work in Johnny Belinda. Isn't that the picture where she didn't say anything? That's right. Well, who'd give a prize to a woman who doesn't talk? <laughs> Any husband in America. <laughs> Now, will you please let me read about the golf tournament? Yes, dear. Thank you. Oh, listen to this, More dear. stuff, huh? It says that Bill Goodwin and Cesar Romero met at Romanoff's restaurant last night and had an altercation. Really? Mm-hmm. George, why don't you ever take me to Romanoff's and buy me an altercation? <laughs> an altercation is a fight. Oh. Bill and Romero are probably fighting over some girl. Oh, that's terrible. I hate to think of Bill doing that. Yeah, he'd be better off married. Hey, I see where Ben Hogan just shut up. That's it. Huh? You're absolutely right. Bill's got to get married. I didn't say that. He's he... wasting his life. Let's arrange the wedding right away, huh? Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's Bill's business, not ours. But it is our business, George. We're more than just Bill's friends. We're, we're like his family. Well, I, I think of you as his father. <laughs> now, I think of myself as his, his kid sister. <laughs> Maybe Bill doesn't want to get married. Maybe he's having too much fun. Well, it's time he got married and stopped having fun. <laughs> That'll do it. What was that? <laughs> Nothing. I ate. I ate something, you see. <laughs> now, forget about Bill. Well, I can't. I'm worried about him. Running around nights fighting with Cesar Romero. He ought, to, he ought to marry a nice girl and stay home and fight with her. Sure, sure, sure. I'm going to call Bill and tell him to come right over here so you can talk to him. Me? Well, sure, this is all your idea. All I said was that... What's the Bill... matter, George? Don't you like marriage? Aren't you happy married to me? Of course I'm married. And I think that Bill should get married someday. I only hope that he gets a girl as sweet and as pretty and as charming as you. Oh, George, you silly. I am? Sure, you'll never get one like me. <laughs> now I'll phone Bill to come right over. Hmm, that must be Bill. Now listen, Gracie, don't try to force him into marriage. 
Let Bill make his own decision. I will. Come in. Hi, Burns. Hello, Oh, hello, Bill. Uh, Bill, have you got any plans for tonight? No, Gracie. Oh, good. You're getting married. <laughs> what? You're getting married. It's George's idea. All I said Yeah, and was... he's right, Bill. You're wasting your life as a bachelor. Wasting it? I'm using every minute. <laughs> but you'd be better off married, wouldn't you, George? Well, Gracie is right, Bill. When I was single, I used to run around just like you. One night a beautiful blonde, the next night a gorgeous redhead. But, Bill, was I happy. Well, I don't know. Think back, were you? <laughs> Boy, was I happy. <laughs> I forgot how much... Hey, get married, Bill. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> you know some girl you'd like to settle down with, Bill? Well, Gracie, if I ever do get married, Jean Meredith is the only girl I'd consider. She's, she's my special honey. Jean Meredith? Oh, well, why haven't we met her? Well, I don't take her out in public. I'm hiding her from Cesar Romero, the wolf. <laughs> Cesar Romero, huh? Yeah. He's the poor girl's Bill Goodwin. <laughs> terrific, Bill. Uh, the women at my bridge club voted him the man they'd most like to have shuffle their deck. Did you vote for him? Not me. No, I voted for you. Oh, well, thanks. Nobody shuffles like you do. Yes, I'm a pro at shuffling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Bill, if Take you... Take after my father. Oh? He's one of the greatest shufflers in the business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bill, if you want to keep Cesar Romero away from Jean, why don't you marry her? Well, Gracie, stop trying to force me into matrimony. Oh, it's George's idea. All I said... George, was... leave me alone. Okay, it was my idea. <laughs> I get married just as soon as I'm tired of running around and... About 50 or 60 years. But, Bill, you won't be able to get a pretty wife when you're old and feeble. Well, why not? George did. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not worried, Gracie. When I'm ready to get married, there'll be plenty of fish in the ocean. Oh, Bill, don't marry one of those. Marry a woman. <laughs> what, Bill? You don't want a honeymoon with a halibut. What, Bill? You, you can't warm your feet on a flounder. Uh, don't worry, Gracie. When and if I get married, it'll be to Jean Merrick. Oh, good. Say, Bill, I've got an idea. Why don't you bring Jean over to dinner tonight so we can meet her? Well, this ought to be a safe place. I know George couldn't take her away from me. Well, he could if he wanted to. My little man is a Humphrey Bogart type. You think... You, you, you think George is the Bogart type? <laughs> Does. When we walk down the street, people say, Look, here comes Gracie with her bogeyman. <laughs> I'll see you for dinner, Willie. Okay, bogey. Bye, Gracie. Bye. Gracie, you embarrass me. I couldn't steal Bill's girl. It would take a guy like Cesar Romero to do that. Hey, that's a great idea, George. We'll get Romero over here to flirt with Jean. How do you think of those things? All I said if was... If Bill thinks he's losing her, he'll propose. Oh, George, you're a genius. Look, all I said I'll was... go right over and get things to the map. Hold it, hold it. Bill Goodwin said he didn't want to marry her, and that's that, and I'll forget it. Well, you don't have to get angry, George. If you don't want me to get things to just say so. 
You're the boss, you know. Good, good. If you say I'm not going to Romero's house, I'm not going. Okay, okay, you're not going. I am too. <laughs> I thought I was the boss. Well, you are, except when we disagree. <laughs> well, I give up. Oh, congratulations, you're the boss I'm the again. boss again, I Maybe it's dangerous for me to be here at Cesar Romero's alone. He's such a wolf. Oh, well, I'm here. Mm, I'll bet the minute he opens the door, you'll get fresh with me. Well, if he does, I'll call the police. I'll show him. How do you do? Oh, yeah, police! Hey, uh, what's the idea? That'll teach you to get fresh with me. I beg your pardon? I accept your apology. <laughs> now... If you think you can act like a gentleman, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Mrs. George Burns. And I'm Cesar Romero. Mr. Romero, I want you to understand right now that you've got to behave yourself around me. Mrs. Burns, I swear you an oath. Police! <laughs> Again? There'll be no swearing in front of me. <laughs> Esta simpática señora está loca. Never mind making that romantic talk. You Frenchmen are all alike. Now behave. Uh, Mrs. Burns, would you like a chaperone? No, sir, I won't touch a drop. You, you, you might just as well make up your mind that I'm one girl who's different. Uh, different is quite an understatement. Uh, may I ask what brought you here? Mm, there you go, getting fresh again, talking about my legs. Your legs That's what brought me here I know all your little wolfish tricks I wasn't born yesterday Ah, uh, Mrs. Burns You may rest assured that I would never make advances to a girl who's underage Like you Well Oh, we're gonna get along just fine I'm Sure, I wasn't born yesterday either But, uh, just to be absolutely honest with you, um, I'm already of age. No. Yes. You're 21? Oh, 21? I thought you meant 18. <laughs> well, enough about me. I came to talk about Bill Goodwin. Now, I've got a scheme to get Bill married. Wonderful. Well, he's my biggest rival. What's your plan? Well, Bill has a girl he likes well enough to marry, but he won't ask her until he thinks someone else wants her, and that's where you come in. Oh, I get it. I make a play for the girl. Bill thinks he's losing her. He proposes. She accepts. And bingo, they're married. Then I'll have every girl in town tied up. Oh, don't tie them up. Give them a fighting chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, uh, uh, what's this girl's name? Uh, her name is Jean Meredith. Do you know her? Jean Meredith? Mm -hmm. I must know her. Uh, let me look at my address book. Good heavens, is that great big thing the address book of your girls? Well, this is just the M's. Now, let's see. Ah, uh, here we are. Meredith. Meredith A, Meredith B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. Well, now, uh, Meredith Jane, Meredith Janet, Meredith Jacqueline, Meredith Jacqueline. Meredith Joan, Meredith June. No, Meredith Jean. I guess Bill's been holding her incommunicado. Well, you know, Bill, he'll hold her any place they happen to be. 
Now, um, how do we put our plan in operation? Oh, well, I'll have Bill and Jean at my house tonight, and you drop in about 8 o'clock and turn on the charm. It's a date. It's a wonderful idea, Mrs. Burns. You've really got a brain. Oh, yeah? Police! <laughs> now what's wrong? You got too intimate. I said you had a brain. Is that intimate? It must be. Not even my husband ever said that. <laughs> was inauguration day in Washington, and one thing is certain, the flowing strains of the Missouri waltz were heard loud and often. There's another favorite American song, also in waltz time, that's always associated with a state that has given the country no less than seven presidents. But let's see if you can recognize it when you hear only the mellow harmony. That's hardly enough, so we'll add this rich counter-melody. This song still lacks just the right note of vigorous rhythm. For the final touch, we'll blend in the full-bodied melody. Yes, once all these fine musical parts are skillfully blended together, it's easy to recognize the beautiful Ohio, one of our most popular American melodies. And friends, it takes this same masterful skill in blending to create the famous flavor of the most popular brand of coffee in all America, delicious Maxwell House coffee. Maxwell House is justly famous for its flavor, superb good-to-the-last drop flavor that no other coffee offers you. To bring you this rich, heartwarming flavor, our Maxwell House experts must select and combine not one, but many choice varieties of premium-grade Latin American coffees. From long experience, they select fine Manizales coffees for mellowness. Excellent Midlands add richness. Other choice coffees contribute vigor. And finally, Bucaramanga's coffees are added for hearty, full body. This perfectly balanced blend is then radiant roasted to the peak of flavor and brought to you vacuum-packed and roaster-fresh. And because you folks on the West Coast really know and enjoy coffee at its best, Maxwell House is blended and roasted for you right here on the West Coast to satisfy your critical taste. So tomorrow, discover the extra flavor of America's favorite brand of coffee. Yes, tomorrow, start enjoying Maxwell House coffee. Always good to the last drop. Oh, George, your plan to get Bill married is working out beautifully. My plan? 
Gracie, I always... talked to Cesar Romero, and he's coming over. He'll flirt with Jean, and Bill will think he's losing her, so he'll propose they'll get married and have a whole house full of little ones. Well, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Oh, Judge, you're so innocent. They won't have chickens. They'll have babies. No. Yeah. Every now... year, something new. <laughs> now, when Bill and Jean are here tonight, you show them how happy married life is. Not me. I want no part of the scheme. Oh, you're not happy. I'm a failure. You're miserable, and now everyone will know. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I like to, I like happy. Oh, thank you, dear. Oh, that must be Jean. Jean, isn't she coming with Bill? No, I asked Bill to send her over early. I want to have a little talk with her. Come in. Hello, Mrs. Burns. I'm Jean Meredith. Oh, hello, Jean. I'd like you to meet my husband, George. Hello, Jean. How do you do, Mr. Burns? It's awfully nice of you folks to invite Bill and me over. Well, we want you to see how happy married life is. Are you and Mr. Burns happy? Oh, yes. <laughs> George, be happy. <laughs> we, we laugh all the time. Mrs. Burns, isn't it hard to keep house and have a career both? I mean, isn't it just drudgery to come home from the studio and have to cook dinner? Oh, Jean, if you were cooking for one you love, would you call it drudgery? No. Oh, I guess I wouldn't. Well, neither does George. <laughs> he's, uh, he's as happy as a lark, aren't you, dear? <laughs> well, uh, have we sold you on marriage, Jean? I don't have to be sold, Mrs. Burns. I want to get married the worst way. Well, now, that's funny. I said the same thing to Mother when I brought George home to meet her. I said, Mother, I, I want to get married the worst way. And she said, well, this is it. <laughs> Mother craves me. Come in. Well, hi, Burns. Hello, Jeannie, honey. Hello, Hello Belle. Oh, uh, we were just showing Jean how happy married life is. Uh, weren't we, George? George. Huh? Be happy. Oh. Uh. <laughs> you see, Bill? Now show him how you felt before you got married, dear. Mm. And now? <laughs> oh, marriage is so happy, Bill. Why, George gets up three or four times during the night just to laugh and then goes back to bed again. Yeah, I bet. Uh-oh, there's someone at the door, George. George! <laughs> oh, come in. Hello, everyone. Am I late? Cesar Romero, what are you doing here? I'm here to have dinner. Well, you out-of-work actors will do anything for a handout, won't you? <laughs> out-of-work? I just finished a picture. Well, if you're in it, believe me, it's finished. <laughs> you should talk. I saw your last picture. At least I hope it was your last picture. Boys, boys, act your age. At his age, who can act? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know you two were friends. They're not. They're Abbott and Costello. Oh. <laughs> but I don't believe Jean and Caesar have met. Jean, may I present Mr. Romero? How do you do? Well, 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 well. Hello. Get away from my girl, Romero. Your girl? Yeah, she belongs to me. Well, congratulations. You have a lovely daughter. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not old enough to have a daughter her age. I just reached 30. I bet you had to lean back a long way to reach it. Take it easy, Butch. 
Remember, it's my income tax that pays your old age pension. Now, boys, don't just go talking to each other. Say some nice things like that to Jean, too. In the meantime, George and I will get dinner on the table. Come on, George. Are you happy? George, I called you and Cesar Romero into the den here for a little conference, uh, conference because things aren't going so well. I know. Bill still hasn't proposed to Jean. Well, I've tried my best to make him jealous. Gosh, I did everything but propose to Jean myself. Hey, that's it. You proposed to Jean. That'll force Bill to propose. Well, I've never done anything like that. I wouldn't know what to say. What did George say? Well, we were in vaudeville then, living in hotels, and George proposed to me with a romantic little poem. Gracie, please. He I... said, uh, come be my bride. I'll be your groom. Let's save the price of that extra room. <laughs> only, only I put it to music. Come be my bride and I'll be a groom. Let's say the price George. of George. George. I'll propose my own way. You folks wait here. All right. Well, you back again, bit player. <laughs> Quiet, stand in. Uh, Gene, darling, I've come to ask you to take my hand. Yeah, Gene, help the old gentleman to the door. <laughs> Pay no attention to him, Gene. I'm asking you to be my wife, to marry me. Marry you? Oh, Jean, did you hear what that big schnook said? Tell him, honey. All right. I'd be happy to marry you, Caesar. That's telling him, baby. Huh? I said I'd marry him. He's just the man I've been waiting for. He's got everything. Well, but he's had it so long. <laughs> Honey, reconsider. What can this guy offer you? I can offer her the greatest thrill that life holds in store for a woman. Plenty of Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> that Maxwell House coffee? Yes, that rich, mellow blend of the finest Latin American coffees. Radiant roasted to the very peak of flavor perfection. Good to the last drop. Oh, no. Not my commercial, too. <laughs> Latin America on our honeymoon, Jean, and I'll show you where they grow those superb coffee beans that go into fragrant, delicious Maxwell House. The Manizales, Medellins, Bucaramangas. How do you like that? First he steals my girl, and now he's meddling with my Bucaramangas. <laughs> I'll kill myself. That's what I'll do. Now, Bill. Don't touch me, you nasty person. I'm going to go kill myself. I've got nothing to live for. No girl. No sponsor. No death! <laughs> well, we certainly fixed him, didn't we, Jean? Yes, now we can be married. You wait here while I get my hat and coat. <laughs> yes, sir, now we can be married. Married? <laughs> I don't want to get married. What happened? I proposed and Jean accepted me. She, she's going to marry me. Oh, you traitor. You stabbed Bill in the back right in front of his face. Well, you've got to do something. I, I don't want to marry Jean. All right. My husband got you into this, so I'll get you out. You go in and talk to George. I'll handle Jean. Oh, thanks a million. Oh, Mrs. Burns, 
Burns, did you hear the news? I'm going to marry Cesar Romero. Oh, yes, he told me, and I think it's wonderful. I know you'll be very happy. Oh, I'm sure we will. Oh, of course. Money isn't everything. Money? Well, what if he did lose his job at the studio? You can't buy happiness. You mean he's been let out? No, his clothes still fit him. He just lost his job. <laughs> I thought he was doing so well. Oh, he was until he started drinking. Drinking? Only whiskey. <laughs> he, he never touches soda. <laughs> but I know the three of you will be very happy. The three of us? Yes, you and Caesar and his other wife. Caesar has another wife? Oh, it's nothing to worry about. He doesn't love her. Well, then why hasn't he divorced her? Well, Caesar's father is very fond of her. Uh, she takes care of him, uh, puts him on his rocking horse, and uh, brings him his little hat with a propeller on top. <laughs> Good heavens, his father must be a lunatic. Yes, but so lovable. <laughs> I know you'll be very happy. Oh, there's just one thing. Uh, when you're around Caesar's father, wear an old dress that you won't mind having torn. Why? Well, he thinks people are bananas and tries to peel them. <laughs> I can't marry into a family of crazy people. Oh, only the men are crazy. When they reach the age of 35, they all crack up. When will Caesar be 35? Not until February. <laughs> You've got a whole month to be happy. I'm getting out of here, and you can tell Mr. Romero that I never want to see him again. But, Jean, you're throwing away your happiness. Goodbye. All right, boys, you can come out now. We heard your little scene, Gracie. <laughs> yeah, Gracie, you were great. How do you think of those things? Oh, it's just a gift. Lots of people are amazed in my brain, but it's really nothing. How true. Well, you... <laughs> well, you certainly saved me. You see, there's only one girl in this whole world that I could ever marry. Gertrude Mills. She's completely devoted to me. Oh, I... I'm glad I could help. Hi, folks. Well, I thought you went out to kill yourself. Well, I did, but when I went to the drugstore to buy poison, the cutest little redhead waited on me. She looked at me, and I looked at her, and now we're engaged. A redhead? Uh, what drugstore was this? Schwab's. And the girl's name? Gertrude Mills. <laughs> oh, no! no! This morning I was a happy man. Now I'm going nuts. <laughs> well, what do you know? He just turned 35. George and Gracie will return in just a moment. Join us again next Thursday when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Bill Goodwin, Harry Lubin, and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Toby Reed. And now, here are our stars. Gracie, next week, our guest will be Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly? An Irish girl, huh? Gene Kelly is a man. He's that great dancer we saw in the movies the other night. Oh, that Gene Kelly. Yes. Oh, he's sensational. And next week, I'll be able to dance with him. Wait a minute. Why aren't you dancing with Gene Kelly? What about me? All right. We'll take turns dancing with him. <laughs> now you happy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good things the easy way. Do you like good things the easy way? Then get instant Maxwell House coffee. So good. So good. True coffee flavor and fragrance because instant Maxwell House is not a so-called coffee product. It's all pure Maxwell House coffee in instant form. And so 
So easy. Instant Maxwell House means great coffee instantly in your cup. No fuss, no muss, no bother. Today, try Instant Maxwell House. Instantly good to the last drop. Until next Thursday, when we'll have as our special guest, Gene Kelly, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Cedar Romero appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of Down to the Sea and Ships, starring Richard Widmark. The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. And that's the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show on the Maxwell House Coffee Time from January 20th, 1949. Special guest Cesar Romero, who played the Joker on the Batman 1966 through 1968 television show. Uh, Really fun classic radio show right there. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's more of the WGN Radio Theater. Lisa, did you get your January links for the Classic Radio Club? Yes, I just received them today. Ah, oh, are you enjoying them? Well, I honestly haven't had a chance to listen. To what? Me. Well, I you got was your pre- links. You should just stop everything you're doing. Well, I was no preparing for, the for family. our big Burt Ward interview. I know, but it was well worth it. You know, when you get those links, just stop everything I, that you're doing. I get it. And listen to the Classic Radio I, Club I will. links. Lisa is a Classic Radio Club member. She gets the digital download links. Yep. Mike Estella, on the other hand, he likes the CDs, but folks, if you're not a Classic Radio Club member yet, what are you waiting for? You can get 10 of the greatest Classic Radio shows sent to you each and every month, plus you will get liner notes, very copious liner notes about every show, and all kinds of great stuff. And you can just go to our website, ClassicRadioClub.com to learn all about it. You made some great choices this month. I Thank noticed you a name is Andy, much. which I know we don't play on WGN, yeah. and I noticed a uh, Shadow, I think. Yes, was there's on a there. Shadow in there. Um, and there's a a Adventures Dragnet? of Maisie. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah, there's great, great stuff. So you, you should check it out. You will love being a Classic Radio Club ClassicRadioClub.com. And we are going on a cruise I, pretty soon. I've been talking about in it. August. I'm actually getting up. really excited about it. It's yeah. really around the going corner. Going to Bermuda. We are. We're going on Oceana Cruise Line, which is a very luxurious cruise line. I don't know um, how you pulled that one off, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I have, I know You've people. Some, you know, I know just, people in not, high places, but not too many. No. And we're going to Bermuda. We're going to be visiting two islands. We're going to Hamilton and St. George. Yep. And we are going for seven nights. And we are going to not only have the fun of exploring the islands and enjoying this luxurious trip with food and casino and Spies. They're going to feed us in the seven well, days? Well, I'm not going to feed. You're going to have to feed yourself. Okay, all right. But we're going to make it a classic radio cruise. So we're going to have some classic radio fun. We're going to have some quizzes and contests, and we're going to do a radio reenactment. And we're going to spend time with our listeners getting to know you. And um, just we're going to hang out at the pool together, and we're going to gamble together, and we're going to eat together, and we're going to just have a lot of together time. I hope some of our listeners who come with us on the cruise want to become actors because we're going to need you to act in the radio reenactment. And even if you don't, this will be a lot of It'll fun. It'll be fun, right? Audition for <laughs> Carl's it. a great director. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, I can't wait for the trivia contest. And But what you said, hanging out at the pool, getting to know our listeners, and it starts August 1st, and it's seven nights, and it takes out of New York, and it goes to Bermuda, and it's going to be like 85 degrees. It's going to be beautiful. Food's going to be awesome. 
awesome, and it's going to be a really great time. And we have a very special rate because we're working with Keen Luxury Travel, and they've got us you know, with a special rate for our listeners. It really is a special rate. It's a limited time offer because um, when the rooms are full, they're full. We hope you'll consider joining us. Give them a call. That's Keen Luxury Travel. Their number is 800-856-1155. Learn all about it. Or you can go to our website, WGNRadioTheater.com, and you can click on the cruise banner. Yep. And I hope you'll do that. We'd love you to go to the cruise with us. In uh, August 1st, 2020. All right, next week, Lisa, we start, what, an hour later? We're starting at 11 o'clock, so we will have four hours of classic radio from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. What are we playing? We've got The Adventures of Nero Wolf, my great uncle. We've got Have Gun, Will Travel, Dragnet, and The Life of Riley. All right, that's next time when we're here on next week. Shante Garth is the best. Thank you for producing the show, and thanks uh, to you, everyone out there, for listening. Mike Costello, our executive producer, thank you. We'll see you next week.